Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Raffi is the voice of some of the happiest songs of our generation. Baby Beluga. So who is the man behind Baby Beluga? Every human being wants to feel respected. When we start with young children, All good things can grow from there. I'm Chris Garcia, comedian, new dad, and host of Finding Raffi, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Fatherly. Listen every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Gonzalez, the host of SI's new podcast, Sports Illustrated Weekly. Sports Illustrated has delivered some of the best storytelling in sports for 70 years. And now that continues on our show. Each week, we'll dive deep into the best stories from around the sports world. Sports Illustrated Weekly is available every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now. Raffi is the voice of some of the happiest songs of our generation. Baby Beluga. So who is the man behind Baby Beluga? Every human being wants to feel respected. When we start with young children, all good things can grow from there. I'm Chris Garcia, comedian, new dad, and host of Finding Raffi, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Fatherly. Listen every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Robert Evans here, and I wanted to let you know this is a compilation episode. So every episode of the week that just happened uh, is here in one convenient and with somewhat less ads package for you to listen to in a long stretch if you want. Uh, If you've been listening to the episodes every day this week, there's going to be nothing new here for you, but you can make your own decisions. 
Welcome to Spooky Week. A week where we are not really any spookier, honestly, than the average things happening because everything happening is is terrifying and like ghosts and ghouls are are, are a lot more fun. Anyway, what, what are, hang up. In this podcast, don't listen. Go watch Herbert West Reanimator. Have some fun. Um, but if you decide to keep listening to podcasts for some reason. We have a bunch of spooky content for you this week. How was that? How was that introduction, Sophie? Ooh, bad. Ooh. Spooky. All right. Scary. Garrison. Yeah. Get, get going. Do your thing. Yeah, my my thing. So yeah, mm-hmm. we're doing we're doing spooky spooky week, which we're very excited about. But yeah, every everyone I've told about spooky week, they're like, oh, so it's just a regular week for for the show. I'm like yeah, I know. Pretty, yeah, pretty much. No, no, it's pretty more much. fun. <laughs> But it is in a few ways. It is actually going to be more fun because the 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 the, the, the spooky spooky mind bending tales. Come on, Harrison. Um, Commit are, to the goddamn yeah, bit. Yeah, spooky mind bending tales you. actually do have do have some more fun than just mm-hmm. the solely depressing ones. Yeah, I mean so this, that's was, this was this was the first theme week that we all agreed upon. Months this was ago. the first theme week. I was week. like, yeah. can mm-hmm. we do something around spookiness near Halloween? And everybody unanimously said. Yes. 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 This is the first theme week. Um, we have, we we have we have been promising Nut Week coming up eventually. Yeah, <laughs> it I mean, will happen. Tease. We talk day. about things that made us nut, or where we talk about the legumes. Mostly legumes. legumes. Okay, that's fair. Um, but anyway, uh, we should we should start off our first our first spooky tale. Um, so I'm I'm going I'm going to tell a, a very very spooky tale. Of a of, of an entire French town going going mad over the course of a single week. Hell um, yeah! Probably probably with the help of psychoactive drugs and a certain three letter agency. You know what I think we're gonna get to do, Garrison? Aha, my racist French accent. <laughs> I did. Somebody I did online. Get, I did get a few me messages for that. For, you yes. can't be racist against the French. They're like it's the true. British or Americans. <laughs> like, I did get a few messages. Saying it's that fine. your French accent was very racist to the French. <laughs> there is a certain number. It's like the Germans. There's a certain number of genocides after which people get to make fun of your country, and it's not racist. And that number is, let's say, three. <laughs> Honestly, the, the the worst part of this story is that we're probably doing critical support for France. I mean, well, in, in a in a way, well, we'll see. Enough. Honestly, I'm going to be kind of more critical support to the CIA by the end of this one. Um, <laughs> oh, <so. laughs> yeah, that's that is the most critical support can be. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. our very spooky tale begins in 1951 in a small, charming French village called Pont Saint-Esprit, which is how I'm going to say Pont it. Pont Saint-Esprit. That, yeah, there okay. you go. Yep, there um, we go. So not much happened in this little picturesque uh, little little town on the south side of France. You know, uh, on the day that we start, it's just like a regular summer day. People are going about their routine, going to their jobs. Kids are playing in the street, enjoying some delicious freshly baked bread. Um, but suddenly, strange things begin happening. Um, and I'm, I'm going to start off with some of the more mild, mild, mild effects here. Mm-hmm. So on, on, on August 15th, First, uh, dozens, then hundreds of people began uh, first just complaining of nausea, uh, you know, and, and some people with some like stomach and abdominal pain, 
Oh um, yeah, they're less, coming up. Yeah, <laughs> less often, <laughs> less often noted. There was a few instances of like vomiting and diarrhea. Um, only about thirty percent of people had diarrhea. That is that is a weirder weirder thing. That's yeah. a lot of diarrhea. Yeah, that is on like a town-wide basis. Three yeah. percent, significant. Ex- thirty. Sorry. Yeah, 30%. that's a significant strain on the sewage system. Thirty percent of the people affected, which is going to be like a few hundred versus. If I you know, was taking drugs with a group of friends and a third of them had diarrhea, I would say we might need to go to a hospital. This yeah, is a sign that we have is. taken some of the, that perhaps what we got was tainted. There is, there is, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about what actually, what yeah. the actual drugs being used here are going to be. But Unless that, we were that, taking like Amanitas or something where that's not an uncommon side effect, but yeah, so yeah sorry, first, continue. First nausea, a little a, a little bit of vomiting, stomach pains, cramping. Um, hospitals began reporting people experiencing alternating warm and cold waves over their entire oh, yeah. body. Mm-hmm. Uh, the British Medical Journal recalls abundant sweating and a disagreeable odor, um, which I'm guessing the odor is just because there's all those sweating people in the same cramped hospital room. Yeah, sweating in the, in, people shitting in the themselves summer, in, a in the summer hospital. heat. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, and they're pe- French, so <laughs> a lot of escargot sweats. That's all I'm be, saying. I don't want to get more messages saying that <laughs> I have to stop by the saying racism. that I mean, he's going d- to do it more. By the okay. way, do we know that the diarrhea was the result of of whatever substance, or maybe it's just the wine shits? Again, we French. don't. We there's no way to tell. Um, there's no way to know. So yeah, uh, <laughs> patients began complaining about weird pains and pressure around their neck, which yeah, um, and one of the one of the most reported symptoms was insomnia, in some cases lasting so, se- several days. Uh, quoting the British Medical Journal. Uh, the first symptoms appeared after a latent period of 6 to 48 hours. The digestive disorders quickly became worse, with burning sensations throughout the entire digestive tract. Some experienced sensations of burning at the anus. A state of giddiness persisted. I mean, who's not giddy when your anus is burning? Am I right? I do, I do like, like this is like this is like the like the clear sign that there's like some some psychoactive drug going yeah. on because like your anus is burning and yet and you're, you're very giddy. Psyched. You you're are psyched. on board. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's like that sign from that. Uh, what is that from? Uh, rejected by what? what what's that? That cartoonist like my anus is bleeding, but like you're down. You know, you're down you're, for it. Yeah, yeah. You're 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 a hundred ten percent. Was that a so, John Mulaney impression? No, 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 no. It's uh, who did reject it? Because um, that was bad. It wasn't a John Lennon impression, Sophie. Oh, okay. That's no, just your was, poisoned millennial a car- brain. A cartoon- Don Hertzfeld. Yeah, great artist. Yeah, great artist. Uh, mm-hmm. So these pale and uh, limp patients, uh, still quoting the British Me- Medical Journal, these pale and limp patients showed inconspicuous trembling of the extremities, mm-hmm. and they complained of disorders of the visual accommodation and especially being unable to read. So this this is this well, is the again, more mild. French, so. This is the. <laughs> oh, this could be a long one here. <laughs> so this is for, for for many people affected. This is where the symptoms stopped um, after suffering for insomnia for a while with you know mild disorders of the visual accommodation um, and you know and stomach pains and like weird like neck things. After they were able to sleep, that was the sign of their recovery. It's like the ability to sleep again after the insomnia wore off. But in a, in around fifty of the cases reported, the effects were much more intense. Um, I'm going to continue from med- from the medical journal first, and then get into some of the more colorful reporting around the incident. 
uh, quoting the med- medical journal again, vivid visual hallucinations appeared. In particular, themes of visions of animals and of flames. All of these visions were fleeting and variable. In many mm-hmm. of the patients, they were followed by dreamy delirium. Yeah, but that's that's about right. That's actually a pretty good description of like LSA, LSD, those kind of like the yeah, movies always I, get it wrong because you're not usually not like you're not seeing some sort of like visual like cartoon world. It's it's these kind of like fleeting impressions of visions and things in the corner of your eyes. Yeah, that's a pretty good. Description. It, it, it's especially on lower do- like it is unclear yeah. what exactly they were on because there there definitely can be the more cartoon elements. Oh, I mean, but... you can get full open eyed hallucination. Yeah. Like especially the Shogun chemicals will do that. But I don't get it so much with like LSD, LSA. And LSA, yeah. if you want to shit yourself, oh that boy. is that is eat, see, right? eat some Hawaiian yeah. baby Woodrose seats. Yeah, get so... them from Home Depot and have yourself a horrible night. <laughs> uh... So the delirium uh, seemed to be systematized with animal hallucinations and self-accusation. It was weird, weird terms from the from yeah, the that's medical weird. journal. Self-accusations. Yeah, it's. I think I think they're trying to get at ego death, but they don't yeah. have terms for it yet. Um, Either that or that, like, sometimes you're hallucinating, you get, like, overcome with, like, guilt, like, oh, I did this terrible thing, or, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody's angry at me, or whatever, like. Con- continuing from the medical journal, uh, so yeah. self-accusation, and and it was sometimes mystical or macabre. Uh, mm-hmm. In some cases, terrifying visions were followed by fugus, which is a, an old fugue. term for, like, fugues. It says, fugue. it says fugues. Yeah, yeah fugue. fugue. It's, it's pronounced fugue. Yeah, it's it's like it's state. it's like it's like extreme it's extreme disassociation. Yeah, um, yeah, you're kind of zombified a little bit. Yeah, and two and two patients threw themselves out the window. Um, oh boy! Yeah, Beef. the delirium was of a confusal kind, which could be interpreted for some moments by a strong stimulation. Every attempt at restraint increased the agitation. <laughs> well, yeah, that's <laughs> it. Gets, that is yeah. how restraining. Pe- I've had to restrain a number of people, and it does not calm anyone down. Especially people don't like to be restrained, <laughs> especially when you're tripping hard. Yeah, yeah, this sounds like a real, real bad yeah, time. Not um, the, not the thing to do. In severe cases, muscular spasms appeared. Uh, the duration of these periods of delirium was varied. They lasted several hour, several hours in some patients, and in others, they persisted yeah. overnight. So that, uh, and then here, here it's, it's we're going to get a little bit darker, and then we're going to have more fun. Um, <laughs> we observed four fatal cases: three men and one woman. Three of these people were old and in bad health. Uh, one of the men was only twenty-five years old and had, had been in good health previously. They died in a muscular spasm in a state of cardiovascular collapse. I think this is probably yeah. mostly due to how the doctors were handling these patients. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, obviously, your your blood pressure and whatnot can elevate when you're when yeah. you're hallucinating, but yeah. I think it also has a lot to do with the way they were being handled. Yeah, you're right. Um, the disorders developed more quickly in children, but also left them more quickly. An interesting feature of some of the cases was that the delirium was the first sign to be noted. So it depends. People come up came up on different ways, right? Some some of them first had weird body feelings. Some of them first started just see- seeing stuff. Um, one other interesting tidbit that we're not going to spend much time talking about, but like around two weeks after this initial incident, some symptoms started to reappear, uh, either hmm. through like a secondary poisoning or it was like some kind of like acid flashback. Um, yeah, it must, it must, because I've, I've done a fuckload of acid. I've never had a flashback. Um, I did at one point, I mean, I have like done some damage and so I have permanent tracers, but it's not like. I, I, my guess is they got. I, I think the idea that there are like acid flashbacks that are vivid hallucinations has been pretty heavily debunked. My guess is they got redosed. 
don't yeah, know. I don't know. I, I might fight you it a bit on the PTSD. It, yeah. it's like, it could be that it was traumatic enough that like they're having they're dealing with PTSD and kind of that's yeah. what's happening. But I don't know. I, and yeah. I think I, I definitely have seen enough reports that would see acid flashbacks definitely actually being a thing in some cases, especially in like the early days of studying these types of drugs in like the 60s. Like the, the, the CIA reported a lot of stuff around acid flashbacks around the people that and, they tortured. But I guess if, 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 it's tied, if it's tied to torture, that could just be PTSD stuff. It yeah. could be PTSD. It's also, I mean, one thing you have to know, and I don't know what kind of dose these people were getting. When the CIA would dose people, they were sometimes giving people doses yeah. people do not take. Like, you do not take that much acid No, yeah, like, like hundreds or thousands or yeah, millions of like, hits. Yeah, yeah like, ridiculous, ridiculous irresponsible doses. Yeah. So n- n- now, now we're going to get to some of the some of the more fun descriptions here, which we can actually kind of like, based on our experiences, can actually kind of see like what was actually going on in these people's heads. Um, so basically, we had at least dozens and dozens of people tripping very, very hard. Um, the local postman was doing his rounds on his bicycle when he was suddenly overwhelmed by nausea and wild hallucinations. Uh, quoting him, it was terrible. I had the sense, I had the sensation of shrinking and shrinking and the fire and the serpents coiling around my arms. Yeah. That guy had some other stuff going on. <laughs> the <laughs> mail- fun, yeah. Cause the very first acid trip was on a bicycle when Heinrich Hoffman yeah. like made it and dosed himself. He started coming up, I believe it was in Amsterdam, like riding his bicycle, which is like, well, this is lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've made uh, something cool. Uh, 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 Why was did. the postman riding a bicycle to deliver packages and Because mail? they're in France. Because it's your France. Oh, we no. do not have the vehicles. It's the 1950s. It's not. There is the small, wheel only came to France in 1924. I mean, that's... I'm sorry, Postman. So yeah, the mailman fell off his bike and was taken to the taken to a hospital in a nearby town. He was put in a straitjacket and he shared a room with three teenagers who were <laughs> also Christ. tripping. And the teenagers yeah, were changed to their beds to keep them under control. Yeah, that's that's how you. It sounds horrible, that. right? Oh, yeah, like the yeah. worst I can way see to having trip. Flashbacks to this to being chained to a yeah, bed while Jesus. tripping. Yeah, that's a bad thing said, to do. Some of my friends tried to get out the window. They were thrashing wildly, screaming, and the sound mm-hmm. of the metal beds and jumping up and down. The noise was terrible. I, pr- I would bet. prefer I would prefer to die than go through that again. Yeah, which, that you know, yeah, totally terrible. This sounds like <laughs> yeah. the, like uh, the worst acid trip yeah, you could go on. That sounds like about the worst way you could have a trip go. For it sure. sounds awful. Um, yeah. So back in the French town, uh, uh, a, a little girl screamed as she was being chased by man-eating tigers. Oh my goodness. <laughs> A woman sobbed about how her children had been ground into sausages. Oh, great. (laughs) Oh, no. So graphic and specific. Yeah. A large man fanned off uh, terrific beasts by smashing his furniture and using the wood as weapons. Good for you, buddy. Good for you. A husband and wife ran around chasing each other with knives. (laughs) Again, probably something else going on there. Yeah. My, yeah. my guess is we're not just talking the acid in, in that. Because I have, again, been on acid a lot around knives and other weapons. I have never chased, chased someone. I've never them. chased no. someone around with knives on no. acid. But again, that's like, a I couple think, who was on the verge of a knife chase I think, before I think, the acid. I think. I think the important part here is that, like, in 1951 in this French town, like acid wasn't a thing yet. Like, like, yeah. like, like, yeah, like, like sure. hallucinogenic drugs weren't a thing, right? Even yeah. like, even like mushrooms weren't popular around this time. No one knew what what the hell was going on. Like. 
they just think that they're just basically losing their minds. Like, like there's there's no other explanation for what's happening to them. Can we um, just, can no, we just say that the most uh, shocking thing that has come out so far is that when Robert was on acid, he wasn't chasing people with knives? That seems like... <laughs> it's it's honestly, like, depending on your acid trip, you wouldn't want to chase yeah, someone with I've a knife. Like, wanted, it's not, that's I mean, not the kind of headspace you're in. We would... We would like during this. The I did it sober. Yeah, we would we would take a bunch of drugs and grab my AK forty seven and hike out into the woods and we would shoot down a fir tree and we would drag it back to a clearing and we would bury it standing <laughs> up and we would drape it in pig intestines and put a pig's heart on it and then we cover it in gasoline and light it with firecrackers and dance around it like the pagans of old. But there was nothing mm. aggressive about that. No, you 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 very rarely would want to hurt somebody on no. on acid. In my experience, like you you generally generally are at least you're like way more compassionate in in a lot of ways. Um, but if you have no idea what acid is and you're just you're in the 1950s and you're losing your mind and you're seeing weird things, then yeah, I can see how this would maybe cause some other types yeah, of behavior. To you happen. just think that like because, God like, is angry at you. Like, yeah, because like, yeah, again, like, no... like, like, like it's like they're not they're not dosing themselves either. Yeah. Like they're being dosed, right? It's like they don't. Yeah. It's very different where like you're deciding to go on a trip versus this is happening to you and you have yeah. no decision. I think for basically anyone in this position, the logical assumption would be, oh, the devil has taken over our exactly. town and our minds have – we have been infested with demons. Like yeah, that's, what yeah, else yeah. are you going to assume? You're not going to be like, oh, this drug that's just barely been invented and yeah. that nobody really knows about yet except for weird nerds. It must be some version of that that I've taken accidentally. No, you're going yeah. to assume no, like no demons knows. are in your blood. So uh, one interesting tidbit before we before we go on break, um, even some of the local animals had been affected by whatever poisoned the town. Um, uh, There there was there was one dog in particular that kept chewing on rocks until its teeth chipped away. I don't like this. And and ducks were behaving very odd. Um, it's described that they, they were they were walking around erect and upright like penguins in a line. And they're just like what? very weird weird behavior fr- fr- from ducks. Kind of that's makes the scariest thing our, I've heard so far. That kind of <laughs> makes me want to dose our ducks, Garrison. <laughs> we are not do- we're not wasting acid on the ducks. You could waste <laughs> no. a lot. Of, I mean, there's a lot of things you could give ducks. We're not we're not giving ducks acid. That's not the nice happening. thing about giving ducks drugs is they're all monsters. That is true. They are monsters yeah. and rapists. Yeah, um, every one of them. Yeah, well, all of the male ducks. So anyway, a, a reoccurring theme was that people were running around wildly and being very fearful of like monstery animals and encroaching flames. Um, Sounds like the ducks were having a good time though. They're the just ducks, the ducks were like, having doing a doing their ministry time. of silly walk shit. Like, <laughs> like I don't know what all these people are bummed about. This is rad. Okay, so w- when you first said that, I heard dogs, and I was like, "That is the most terrifying no, no, thing ducks. I've ever heard." Ducks, ducks is would, much funnier. Yeah. It's like ducks standing like very upright, like penguins walking yeah, around in a line. I think ducks might enjoy it. I think dogs are a little too aware of what's going well, on. Well, Garrison did it. say yeah. dog. The, the the stone thing was about the dog. But yeah, the, with the the the, the, the dog scary. Yeah, I just don't know that ducks. the dogs enjoy because, like, I've seen dogs accidentally eat large amounts of pot and whatnot, and, and they, they, are, they 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 are they not get happy. weird. They, yeah, yeah, they they're they're, they're pretty not scared. Not having yeah. a good time. They're 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 pretty scared. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what is also very spooky? Capitalism. <laughs> yeah, capitalism and all of these spooky advertisements to sell Ooh. you things. Advertisements are also a form of mind control, speaking of the CIA in the 50s. Anyway. They're profoundly damaging. <laughs> we are back from Ooh. the spooky advertisements. Nailed it. Yeah, anyway. Um, 
So I think another another reoccurring factor for why a lot of these people have very similar types of experiences around like snakes, um, which we'll talk about later, and like flames is like with this many people tripping and no one knows what tripping is. I think it's really a- easy for an idea or a fear to spread from one person to another while they're tripping. Um, with like this many yep. people, I think if someone says something, it's going to start happening to someone else, and it's kind of kind of kind of this like cascading effect where they all develop this very similar fear is because it's almost like being spread like an infection. Um, so there was there was a uh, one man convinced that red snakes were devouring his brain, and he jumped out a window. <laughs> oh no! Wait, did he, did he live yeah. through this? He did live. Um, yeah, another... I'm guessing a lot of these. It's it's like France in the 50s, so I'm guessing most of these buildings are not super. They're high not. Up. They're not super high up. Mm-hmm. No, they're, no. They're like they falling a foot or two. Although here we have another one. Um, uh, another man reportedly leapt from a window, yelling, "Look, everyone! I'm a dragonfly!" The men, <laughs> the men broke. The men broke both legs. Aww. <laughs> wow. But he stood up and continued running. <laughs> Fucking rad. <laughs> Wow. King Sigma Sigma behavior. Yeah, absolute. No, we're, we're adding Sigma we're behavior. Adding, we're adding. This, this, is, this is a new kind of man. This new kind of dude man. just dropped. The rarest tier. kind of man. Look, everyone, I'm a dragonfly. Breaks both legs and keeps running. <laughs> yeah. Look, Amazing. based on the information you've provided us, I can't say he's not a dragonfly. No, he is an abs- absolute, absolute king. Oh, good for. I, I hope he had a great life. Yeah. <laughs> Um, an, 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 another one saw his heart escape through his feet and beseeched a doctor to, tr- to try to put it back into place. Yeah, you don't want to have that happen. That That's doesn't sound bad. fun. Yeah, um, you want to keep, keep that somewhere around the middle of your body. Someone sprinted down the lane claiming that he was being chased by bandits with donkey ears. Okay, um, fair enough. At a nearby river, a man was convinced that he was a circus tightrope walker and attempted to balance his way across the cables of a suspension bridge. How did oh, you do? No. It doesn't I, say. The wait, report does not tell you. Sounds well, like I he did this. great. Yeah, like he, Maybe he's he was not, right. He's, yeah, he's not in the death report. Yeah. So he's clearly not in the death he lived report. It, therefore. Um, an- another, another person did try to die in the river. Uh, he tried to jump into the river uh, only to be saved by his friends. And he was screaming, I am dead. I am dead. And my head is made of copper. And I have snakes in my stomach. And they are burning me. <laughs> Such a weird description of like tripping and saying like, my head is made of copper. I'm just trying to think of like what was going on. What like what what series of events did did he spiral down in his brain to have that sentence? I just I'm not quite sure. It's it's yeah. it's, yeah, it's I, definitely I can definitely see it happening. I just I just can I'm trying to think like what exactly what would happen to get to that point. It's real real interesting. I, I think some of these are hard because again it's like these people just think literally think they're going insane. Yeah, or that yeah. like this stuff is just actually happening to them. Like you like when, when you're tripping on acid, you already kind of have the feeling that you, you there is fe- moments where you feel like this is like this is like never going to end. Even oh, though yeah. you, even though you know you know you're on acid, these people don't know that, right? Like these people don't have the reassurance. They're like, no, I took acid. I'm on a drug. This is going to be yeah, over. Eight hours they or think, so. It's going to. They be... think this is going to last forever, right? Like they think yeah. this this is just the world now. Like this is just it's one of those. Robert Anton Wilson, who is a, a thinker I enjoy a lot, writes a lot about how to calm people down when they've taken too much, and most of his advice is around talking about like. Okay, well, how long ago did you take it? Hey, well, that the good news is that this is going to end here. You know, it's only going to last this long. Like you're you're through this point. Oh, this is the this is the the second hour freakies, and by the third hour, you'll be fine again and enjoying it. Like it's yeah. all about making keeping in people's minds like this is going to pass. So yeah, you're right. Like this is the fucking worst way to take drugs. 
All right, so local newspapers uh, and also like in, in national newspapers described uh, described this as uh, among the stricken, delirium rose. Patients thrashed wildly on their beds, screaming that red flowers were blossoming from their bodies. People throwing themselves from rooftops, men and women throwing their clothes off and running in the streets naked, and children complaining their stomachs were infested with coils and snakes. Oof. Oof. Which, I mean, half of that sounds like, yeah, that's like a normal good time, just running around the streets naked on acid. Other half's like, yeah, that, that doesn't seem pleasant with coils and snakes in your stomach. But also, like, flowers blossoming from your body. I can, I can, I can understand that kind of sensation. Um, but, like, it, defi- it definitely wasn't all horrible and, ni- like, nightmarish. We, 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 we already mentioned the giddy people with burning anuses. Um, <laughs> but for, like, the full-on tripping folks... Uh, according to the New York Times, there was, there was reports of people like hearing heavenly choruses and seeing you know bright colors. The world looked beautiful to them. Um, apparently, the head of the farming co-op wrote hundreds of pages of like enlightened tripping poetry. <laughs> he, See, he, like, that, that, that that guy must be sick as shit because knowing nothing, he starts tripping, not knowing he's tripping. It's just like. Time to make some fucking art. <laughs> like, you, you know what this head state is good for? Writing some shit. He just like went to his cabinet and just wrote poetry. Yeah, that's fucking <laughs> awesome. That's a guy. I, I'll bet he handled just everything that life threw at him. Well, like, like that's that says a lot about you when you're like, oh, demons have infiltrated my brain. Guess I'm gonna hang out in my cabin and write some poems. <laughs> Hundreds of pages. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, uh, like I, I can hardly, I can hardly write shit on acid. I cannot imagine trying to write poetry. I God. mean, I've done a lot of creative stuff on acid. Creative stuff, yeah. I just feel like, like specifically, like reading and typing can can be hard at certain mm-hmm. points. You know, if if you're like coming down, it, it can be easier. But like, as it's you're not doing, really as... good for like writing. It's good for ideas that you yeah. later can flesh out into writing. But yeah, yeah. So. Unfortunately, you know, because this was, you know, no one knew what was going on, many people were taken to local asylums in straitjackets and tied onto beds, making things uh, undoubtedly yeah. worse for people yeah. tripping. Um, it's it, one of those things I can't even be angry at them because, like, they don't know what's going on. I know. Like, like you they, have they, no they, idea they, they what's, happening. what's going on. <laughs> like, but, like, nobody the whole, does. The, the whole, like, every attempt at restraint increase the agitation line is, like, horrifying yeah. from the concept of, like, you're tripping. You, 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 you don't know what's going on. And people are tying you down to beds, making you feel like you're even more stuck in this permanent yeah. state of delirium. It's just it just is the worst nightmare. Yeah, all of this is horrible. Yeah, the, the 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 mayor of the town said like I've seen healthy men and women suddenly become terrorized, ripping their bedsheets, hiding themselves beneath their blankets to escape the hallucinations. So yeah, it's it's if if you if you if you don't know what's going on, pretty 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 scary. Except for the poetry guy, good for him. Yeah, good for him. Um, yeah, making the best so, of it. So, but by, by, by the time the effects had subsided for everyone affected, uh, which was around like a few days after the initial reported like nausea, like you know, not it, it it didn't affect everyone at the same time. You know, some people got dosed later on. It, it, it's unclear what ex- what exactly because this is the fifties. We didn't have a great idea of the exact timeline of, of events of like when the first effects were felt and like how all the stuff was spaced out. But this whole incident arrest lasted around like a few days uh, for like everyone every, everyone totaled. Um, it was reported that anywhere between like 300 to 500 people had felt the effects, um, you know, around 50 feeling very, very extreme, like open eye, like hallucinations of objects that aren't even there, like like very extreme hallucinations. Um, and, and four people did die in connection to the poisoning. Um, it, it, at least four people died. It's again, it's unclear for exact numbers for a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Um, an investigation into the sudden outbreak of the madness was promptly underway. 
uh, town officials wanted to get to the bottom of this as quickly as possible. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah, you would, you would, you would want to figure out what was happening yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the blame fell onto a single batch of bread. What? So uh, uh, among uh, the, the, the common denominator among those affected is that they yep. all allegedly consumed bread yeah. from one specific baker. Yep, that's how um, it works. He he was accused of using ergot contaminated rye flour, and yep. he was arrested and uh, temporarily imprisoned. Um, also, a nearby miller that he got the flour from was also arrested and given some of the blame. Um, the the funny part is is that a- a- around this time, the French government had a very top down grain distribution system that rigidly controlled everything about where the grains were milled, where they oh, were yeah. sent, and what bakers could use which flour. So bakers had no choice in what type of flour to use or what type of grain they could use in baking. It was all decided by other people. Yeah, because so, France bread is like it's a real big deal in it's France. It's pretty, pretty, pretty yeah. important. Yeah. For the record, just like ergot poisoning, there are a lot of cases of like different like dancing manias and whatnot in like the medieval in medieval Europe where like whole towns will be well everyone will start like dancing or like hallucinating and you know, they always came down as like these people assumed apocryphal as stories about like demon possessions or whatnot. And now a lot of the suspicion is like Oh yeah, some air got gotten. No, yeah, it was it was everybody uh, was just kind of tripping. (laughs) Air got poisoning. It seems like one of the rougher trips to go on. Yeah, it's not super um, clean. It's. No, I mean I, I've done LSA, which I think is similar. It's in that similar it's, to ergotin fuel. Yeah, they're yeah. tryptamines that are like really rough, and it's. I would not don't don't do LSA. <laughs> no Hawaiian baby Woodrow seeds for. If you're for, going for the pod. to take LSA, then actually like synthesize it you out can, of Hawaiian baby y- Woodrow you seeds, can which is a felony. And, yeah. Which is a felony. It is a felony. Um. But you can just buy Hawaiian baby woodrose seeds and eat them, and you will have maybe the worst trip of your life. Great advice from from the pod. Um, yeah. So yeah, on 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 <laughs> on the on the on, on the rye and ergot topic, uh, the the past growing season was especially wet, and ergot fungi did grow across the yeah, country's baby. rye fields. Um, but the amount of ergot on the rye and the amount of rye used in baking was thought to not be enough to induce any any type of poisoning. Um, in fact, the the last time er, uh, like ergot poisoning had struck France was back in eight, was back in eighteen sixteen. So almost like a century and a half uh, b- before this incident. And no, there was about no, a century and, if it's the fifties, right? A little less than a century. No, th- so the, the the last incident was eighteen sixteen. This was nineteen. Oh, 18, I thought you said eighteen sixty. No, no. I, I, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So like a, a century and a half ago, um, and no other towns, any, and no other part of France was affected by anything similar to this. Um, so the ergot thing is kind of iffy. Um, it, it, but the ergot explanation was the only thing that doctors, investigators could come to due to like you know the, their their limited knowledge around brain altering substances and just pressure from town officials to get to the bottom of this so that they had something to blame and people could like move on. Um, but you know, as a result, not much evidence really backs up their backs up the ergot claim, and a lot of experts today kind of deem it bunk. Um, it, it doesn't. Yeah, there's it, and, and there's a bunch of like um, there's this thing kaikion that the Greeks would take that was like this Greek hallucinatory thing that they think it was because they were putting grain and wine and it might have been ergot poisoned, but also like people enjoyed it, and so there's a lot of debate over whether or not it could have been ergot. But I don't know. Um, I don't know what else is there. Other other theories about what it might have oh, been if it wasn't oh, air Oh, Rob. Oh, yes, oh, there is. Oh boy, is it the CIA? <laughs> is gonna, it the CIA, Garrison? We're gonna, we're gonna get to it. 
So yeah, it, it it doesn't really make much sense that the high amounts of ergot rye would only be in one batch of grain used in a single batch of bread from just one bakery in one small town. Doesn't doesn't really make sense. Um, other explanations um, that people have come to includes like mercury poisoning and overuse of other fungicides. These have been mostly disproven. Yeah, that doesn't um, seem like mercury poisoning. No, but th- th- there's a guy who likes to drink some mercury. You know, <laughs> oh boy, um, merc on. So yeah, so there's a lot of other theories around like fungicides being used, but those have been kind of disproved by some people, but others still point to them as possible explanations. But but there is one other theory that we will focus on that features two of my favorite things. Okay. Uh, LSD and oh, the yeah. 1950s CIA. Because if you're going <laughs> to pick a CIA, the, the, 19, the 1950s, 1950s one, CIA they had the, the most best. fun. They oh, had the most God. fun. Right? Like, and you know who else has a lot of fun, Garrison? Who? who? And who is also be? the 1950s CIA. Whomst? Our sponsors. Oh, really? Good yeah, for it could them. happen here is sponsored only by the 50s CIA. Only by the... <laughs> <laughs> Only the one from the 50s. Yeah. When you order any of our prod- products, they will come to your house and inject you with 7,000 hits of LSD. Hey, free. Hey, that, is, that sounds like a great deal, honestly. You're saving a lot of money. You are saving. Yeah. That, that is a lot of free acid. A lot of acid for the amount of money you're spending. Mm-hmm. Look, that's this a is, lifetime. This is... you, you won't do more acid. That's for nope. sure. You're, that, that's acid for life. You won't do it again. <laughs> Yeah, you might. You, you pro, pro, probably you won't have to do. You won't. You won't have to do any expenses ever again. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll, you'll, um, you'll survive. You'll just be a very different person by I the mean, end of the. Yeah, experience. you you won't survive. Your body will. Yeah, no, someone, someone else, else will be inhabiting it at the end of that trip. <laughs> someone else will wake up. So right, speaking ad, of waking up, here's all the products. Ad. Yeah. So 1950s CIA, um, wild time. Um, Great time. In 2009, uh, Hank P. Alberelli, an, an American writer and journalist, released a book called A Terrible Mistake, which focuses on the suspicious death of a CIA scientist named Frank Olson, who worked uh-huh. on the CIA mind control experiments during the late 40s and early 50s. While researching the book, uh, Alberelli claims to have come across a number of old CIA and White House documents referencing the Pont saint Sprite incident, and he claims that the village was the target of a CIA experiment on the mass effects of LSD, and that around the time that Frank Olson wanted to sever his ties with the Army and CIA, Frank started talking about his participation in the experiment, which may have led to the government offing Olson. So I, I know that is a lot, and it is slightly more than just a speculation. We're going to get into the evidence here shortly. Um, but by now, it's pretty well known that throughout the 40s, 50s, and 60s, both the U.S. Army and the CIA tried to use hallucinogenic, hallucinogenic drugs, such as LSD, as both an offensive weapon and as a way to make like psychic super soldiers. There's programs like MKUltra, MKNiomi, Project yeah. Bluebird, Project Artichoke. Um, Project lots of these, lots, lots of these things were trying to find different ways of using LSD for like yeah. offensive and defensive means. Um, some of the interest was promoted by uh, was was prompted by reports of the Soviet Union doing experiments with drugs around the same time. Also, stuff around like you know hype, like like uh, like you know, psychic powers and and hypnosis. This was very popular around this time for mm-hmm. for lots of different intelligence agencies. Um, but so, Alberelli um, uncovered a report from 1949 by the director of the Edwood uh, Arsenal, which many uh, which which was where many U.S. government LSD experiments were carried out. And this report stated that the uh, army should do everything, everything as po- everything, everything possible to launch so-called field experiments using this drug. And later in his uh, 2009 book, Alberelli claims that he found references to a government document with the label "Re Pont Saint Esprit 
And F. Olson Files, S.O. Span slash France, Operation File, Inclusive, Olson, Intel Files, Hand Carry to Bellin. Tell him to see to it that these are buried. Um, this document does exist. Like, we, 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 like we, 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 we do have this label on, on this document. Um, but, like, the actual contents of the document are, are gone. By, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is just, Great. like, a label that is being referenced yeah, as a We just a know there thing. was a thing with this yeah. title. Great. Oh, boy. So the document label references Frank Olson and David Bellin. So Bellin was the executive director of the Rockefeller Commission, created by the White House in the uh, mid-'70s, to investigate abuses carried out worldwide by the Central Intelligence Agency. Mm-hmm. So Alberelli believes that the, uh, that the Frenchtown LSD incident um, which is like the, the, the Pont Saint-Esprit, which is the name of the town, and the F. Olson files mentioned in, in the document would definitely show that if the document hadn't been buried, as it was said in the, in the label, the CAA, it, it would show that the CIA was experimenting on the townspeople by dosing them with what he thinks was LSD. Um, now, there is also a bit more to it than that. Um, using FOIAs, he got a hold of another CIA document, a two-page report from 1954 detailing a conversation between a CIA agent and a representative of the Sandoz Chemical Company. So the this, the Sandoz base was the place where Albert Hoffman invented LSD in 1938. Um, hmm. And it was, it, was, it was only a few hundred kilometers away from Pont Saint-Esprit, the, 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 the town where this happened. So the, 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 the chemical company was actually pretty, pretty close, relatively to like Europe. Um, and it was also the only place where LSD was being made at the time, and they were providing both the army and the CIA with a lot of a lot of acid. But I mean, they, they're also giving it to like they were also giving it to universities. They gave lots to Timothy Leary initially. They sure did. They were they were they did they, give quite a lot to Tim Leary. <laughs> they were they were giving it out to a lot of different universities uh, and research people, yeah. but that, including the U.S. government. So the CIA the CIA agent wrote. Um, in this report, uh, that was like he was detailing a dinner he had with this representative of the chemical company, and he reported that after having several drinks, the scientists started talking about the Pont Saint Esprit incident. The Sandoz official blurted out, "The Pont Saint Esprit secret was that it was not the bread at all." Continued the Sandoz official. For weeks, the French tied up our laboratories with analyses of the bread. It was not the grain ergot; it was a diethyl laminate. Sorry, it's it's the the last part of the LSD name. Yeah, diethyl acid. D- yeah, the, the diethylamide like compound. Yeah. So yeah, lysergic diethyl acid is what LSD stands for. So yeah, he the 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 scientist said that it was it was like it was like basically an LSD like compound. Um, so that's that was the that was a report detailing a dinner that a CIA agent had with this scientist. Um, and that document was uncovered. That was it was from like the fifties. Now this 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 next part has a little bit less proof to it because there's no documents backing this up. But Alberelli also claims that during his digging, two former CIA researchers reached out to him and revealed that uh, revealed some details, uh, well, some possible details of the method of the poisoning. They told him that the village was subjected to an air blitz of pulverized LSD. Holy shit! What? They, they acid bombed him. Holy <laughs> shit. Uh, I'm sorry, that's fucking based. <laughs> so <laughs> to force that's the townspeople into taking the substance through the air, according yeah. to the researchers, this manner of, distrib- of this manner of distribution proved mostly unsuccessful. Um, forcing the CIA to move on to phase two, which was contaminating local food. So apparently, the air if the if the, if the air blitz was a thing, it didn't it work didn't super well. It. Yeah, that, <laughs> um, that's that's a bummer. That's, yeah, I know. Although actually, was... 
I was about to have Sophie buy us a plane. We will talk about this later, but um, the CIA did uh, do more air blitzing um, uh, of of acid in New York City. Actually, they would ride around in cars um, in like poorer and poorer, more like multicultural areas, um, shooting LSD out of the back of the car to see what would happen to people. I mean, (laughs) take out the racism, and that really is a dream job. Just driving around cities. Air dosing people with acid at random, smoking cigarettes, probably. Oh, my so, God. So with the conclusion drawn that it was one of the town's bakeries being the source of the poisoning, Alberelli says it was possible that LSD was put in or onto the bread. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> and uh, also, uh, lots, of the scientists dis- uh, lots of the scientists dispatched to investigate the poisoning after it took place were actually from the Sandoz Chemical Company. Um, they studied the situation for like two or three weeks um, and gave the explanation that would later be kind of disproven uh, that it was ergot poisoning, which they, they told to town officials and the British Medical Journal. Um, what, what, what no one knew at the time was that, one, the existence of LSD in the first place, um, and two, that Sandoz was the company making it and giving these drugs to the U.S. Army and to the CIA. Um, and apparently Albert, apparently Albert Hoffman himself went to the town to investigate this incident. Um so yeah, and one last thing on like the physical evidence side of things. Um, Alberelli also found an undated White House document that appeared to be part of a larger file that had been sent to members of the Rockefeller Commission, uh, containing the names of two French nationals who had been secretly employed by the CIA and made direct references to the quote Pont Saint Esprit incident. Um, also, it was linked. Uh, the, the document linked uh, former CIA biological warfare expert and the chief of the Fort Derrick's Special Operations Division. So those are all Boy. places that they were experimenting with this similar kind of thing. Yeah. Um, we 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 have mentioned the Rockefeller Commission a few times now. Uh, if you remember the names, uh, uh, Frank Olson, the guy, one of the CIA researchers on LSD, and uh, David Bellin, where they were they were they were on the label of that missing document. Uh, so, but Bellin was the executive director of the White House Commission to investigate the CIA's abuses and crimes, which was called the Rockefeller Commission. Uh, it was formed by President Ford in 1975 to investigate abuses and other activities by the CIA. And a few other intelligence agencies that were operating within the states. Um, so the Rockefeller Commission revealed not only like it, it, so the reason why we know about MK Ultra was because of the Rockefeller Commission. This is this is how we know this was a thing. Um, so it not only revealed stuff about like programs around MK Ultra, but it also revealed the details of the CIA dosing their own scientist Frank Olson with LSD and possibly killing him. Um, there's also like there's like a Netflix series about this called uh, Woodward, which I haven't I haven't actually watched yet, so I don't know how good or accurate it is. But they did they did make a series a few years ago about the death of Frank Olson mm. um, and all of the weird sketchy stuff surrounding both his job and yeah. and, and 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 his death. Yeah, um, we do love the CIA, <laughs> folks. Uh huh. So the the, the commission also uh, concluded that the head of the CIA's LSD program, Dr. Sidney uh, Gottlieb, uh, destroyed all of the drug program's records in 1973 to hide the details of possibly illegal actions. And he was personally involved in the torture of Frank Olson. Um, 20 years after Mr. Olson's death and 10 years after the LSD experiments were halted, uh, Dr. Gottlieb ordered the destruction of all the records of the program, including a total of 152 separate files. This came shortly after other reports that, uh, that, that records were being destroyed by Richard Helms, the, 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 the then director of Central Intelligence. So 
it's undoubtedly true that the CIA was up to up to some shit involving LSD yeah. around the, around the exact time period of this French town incident. Yeah, um, you're cert- it's certainly not like you're not coming out of nowhere suggesting the CIA may have dosed all these people. No, because but, but they yeah, did it and, to and, a bunch of folks. If they didn't do it here, they'd done similar shit. So, and so, it's, it's also it's also worth mentioning at this point that like. This is like the point where the CIA is also running this like enormous heroin network out of France as like basically basically have this whole they have this deal with the French where they're like, okay, so the French mob can like basically move all the heroin they want in exchange. They'll like stop the communists from taking control of the point of Marseilles. And so this is this is all also going on like at the same time that they're doing the LSD stuff. It's great. Yeah. So, so there's there's some historians that think the LSD theory does not hold enough water. Um, Stephen Kaplan is a U.S. historian specializing in the French food history and a, a, the author of the 2008 book Cursed Bread, which follows this incident. Um, he says that he is. Uh, I have numerous objections to this paltry evidence that this uh, that this against the CIA. First of all, it's clinically incoherent. LSD takes effects in just a few hours, whereas the inhibitants where the inhibitants showed symptoms only after thirty six hours or more. Furthermore, LSD does not cause the, di- the digestive elements or the vegetative effects described by the townspeople. Um, and so, to both those claims, I say. They're not necessarily true. Um, it's, it's, it's unclear how soon the delirious effects took place. For some people, they were the first effect felt. Um, so the whole thing about like the effects only taking effect after 36 hours, that's not, that's not necessarily true. Um, and also, LSD can definitely have nauseating or digestive effects. Oh, um, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's 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 not that's yeah. And and but but like there were other types of symptoms that are not common for what we think of as like modern LSD. Yeah, but again, so- this is the 1950s, and we don't know what they were actually on. It did. It, it's maybe not. It may not be what we think of as like LSD now. It could be slightly. You know, this is a whole class of psychoactive drugs that's un- unclear what they were all actually being dosed with. Yeah, who the fuck knows what they were being given, and who the fuck knows what the actual like dose amount was? Yeah, we have no, we no idea. Um, and it's also, you know, I think it's Leary was the origin of the phrase that like the things that determine what happens on a trip are set, setting, and dose. So your mindset, where you take it, and who you take it around, and the dose, and uh, the fact that these are somewhat unique symptoms could be to the fact that like. A, other people taking acid have never taken it this way, where this, your whole town context, is all dosed yeah. at once without knowing what acid is. Like, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Kaplan's other objections revolve around like the delivery system. He says it's absurd this idea of transmitting a very toxic drug by putting in by putting it in the bread. As for pulverizing it for ingestion through the air, that technology wasn't even possible at the time. Most compellingly, why would they choose the town of, of Pont Saint Esprit to conduct these tests? It was half destroyed by the U.S. Army during fighting with the Germans in the Second World War. It makes no sense. And and to that I say. That makes it the perfect town for the CIA to fuck with. Yeah, I mean, like, the CIA did that's like, dose. That's actually, yeah, like, yeah they, they generally would choose to dose someone with acid because it sounded funny. Like, yeah, like, they didn't give like, a shit. I think the fact that this town was already kind of like only half inhabited and half destroyed by the by the Second World War that makes it the perfect town to fuck with. Like. Yeah, and also they also the CIA and the government very much did have the means to try to distribute stuff via the air because we can see other CIA we can see other documents around the time of them doing this to specific areas of 
of New York City. They also tried to poison the entire New York subway with LSD in the 50s, but that was shut down by higher-ups in, in the Central Intelligence Agency. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, God, what a time that would have been. But uh. but, Cap, uh, but but Kaplan isn't sure Ergot's the responsible either. Um, he says that Ergot contamination would not have worked because it doesn't make sense that only one sack of grain would have been affected. Um, and he says if it was Ergot, the, the effects would have been way more widespread. Yeah, that does sounds. He yeah. rules out LSD in the grounds of the symptoms that people suffered, although similar, don't quite fit what we modernly think of as the drug. Also, I don't, I don't, I don't think Kaplan's ever taken LSD, so I don't think yeah, he actually I, knows what yeah. he's talking about. <laughs> I think he's right um, about it probably not being ergot, but I don't think he knows much. Yeah, about he, 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 he also, he also, he also points out that LSD probably wouldn't have survived the fierce temperatures of the baker's oven. Although uh, Alberelli counters that it could have been, that LSD could have been added after the fact to, to like the surface of the bread. Sure, yeah, you could just drop it on. You could you just drop it on with like with like liquid blotters, which would also ex- yeah. explain how the effects were so different from person to person because yep. one person may be having a whole drop of LSD where some may, may only have like a tiny little like you know speck of like speck of like like moist liquid for on sure that, on so it, it, that can explain some things but you know this is still pretty much a mystery you know <laughs> it, it, it's very clear it's, it... happy pride from tomboy x celebrating pride in the queer community all year queer founded queer run and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. 
Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This it, it very much very well could have been some kind of hidden LSD CIA experiment, um, or the CIA could have just been you know interested in studying what happened in the town since they were also doing studies into psychoactive substances at the time. Um, it could be either or, um, and that's where it's spooky because you'll never know. Ooh. Ooh. So yes, that is that, that is the spooky incident of a French town basically thinking Rad. that they lost their minds, and then uh, you know they you eventually- love to see it. Do we? I think it's funny. <laughs> it is a little funny. It is it's definitely true. a little funny. Um, it's it is a great example of like the worst way to trip. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that's that's pretty high up there. Um, anyway, critical support to the CIA for dosing <laughs> random people with acid. Always one of my favorite sets of stories. You you love to see it. So yeah, tune tune in tune in tomorrow for more spooky tales for another spooky story. <laughs> and you can follow the spooky social media that poisons your brain at, at happenherepod.com. Happenherepod and Coolzone Media, which yes, Twitter will poison your brain. That is just as spooky. Um, goodbye. Way more spooky. Way worse for your brain than surprise CIA acid. To be honest, Ooh. the acid wears off. The Gangster Chronicles podcast is a weekly conversation that revolves around the underworld. From criminals and entertainers to victims of crime and law enforcement, we cover all facets of the game. Gangster Chronicles podcast doesn't glorify or promote illicit activities. We just discuss the ramifications and repercussions of these activities. Because after all, if you play gangster games, you are ultimately rewarded with gangster prizes. Our Heart Radio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find the Gangster Chronicles podcast on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Zoe Deschanel and I'm so excited to be joined by my friends and castmates, Hannah Simone and Lamorne Morris, to recap our hit television series, New Girl. Join us every Monday on the Welcome to Our Show podcast, where we'll share behind-the-scenes stories of your favorite New Girl episodes, reveal the truth behind the legendary game True American, and discuss how the show got made with the writers, guest stars, and directors who made the show so special. Fans have been begging us to do a New Girl recap for years, and we finally made a podcast where we answer all your burning questions like, is there really a bear in every episode of New Girl? Plus, each week you'll hear hilarious stories like this. At the end when he says, you got some Schmidt on your face, I feel like I pitched that joke. I believe that. I feel like I did. I'm not a thousand percent. I want to say that was, I I, I tossed that one out. Listen to the Welcome to Our Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From Cavalry Audio comes the new true crime podcast, The Shadow Girls. I always wanted to know what it felt like to kill somebody. Prosecutors described him as a serial killer savant, picking up these girls, getting them in a position of vulnerability. When he got a hold of their neck, that was it. I'm Carolyn Osorio, a journalist and lifelong resident of the Pacific Northwest. I grew up near the banks of the Green River. 
and in the shadow of the killer that bears its name. How many times did you bring the camera to the river? One time. Just one time. One time. He started fantasizing about having sex with his mother. Then he fantasized about killing her. But this podcast isn't only about tracking down the killer. It's about the victims. We stayed in the woods. He always liked to go into the woods. She was just, to all of us, kind of strange. You know how he feels about prostitutes? Listen to The Shadow Girls on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm so close to clicking leave meeting every time that that bullshit comes up. It's like, yes, I consent. That's why I'm fucking here. All right, so if we, we're starting with that line from Daniel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Spooky Week on It Could Happen Here. Today, we are discussing a truly spooky topic, one that everyone is just really going to hate. Um, uh-huh. And it's we're, we're talking about... <laughs> Uh-huh. Let's say esoteric Keckism and meme magic. So <laughs> Chatelet, my brothers and sisters, come along on a ride. Chatelet. Uh-huh. We read a whole book for this. Oh. I At mean, least I did. You read a I book you just did. for this. I would yeah. say that like all of the books I read from age nineteen to twenty two prepared me. For have that have been preparing <laughs> you for this? <laughs> Yeah, the books I read while I was doing psychedelics twice a week all Gang. really were good background on this subject. That so, is Garrison, that is true. You, you want to kick us off? I don't. Um, <laughs> so I think first thing we're talking about we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna emphasize um, awareness over amplification. Are the kind of my my goal for this is so that we can all be more aware of kind of the power that images on the internet can have over influencing the actual world and talking about people who believe this to a ridiculous degree and how they actually have been able to institute change, not only because of this belief, just because of their dedication to this practice. Because uh, yeah. it's, 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 it's a thing that exists, and it has had real-world ramifications, and it's good to understand that that's a thing, and that also maybe we can influence the way we, like us, use the internet to also maybe make good things happen, as opposed to just being doomers all the time. Um, Hell yeah. So that's kind of what I wanted to, to start with. Many dubs to that, Garrison. Complete keck with you. Oh, God. <laughs> no. <laughs> Although, to be fair, the past few days I have just been spamming the It Could Happen Here group chat with horrible nonsense around keck. It it's has true. been the most insufferable week of my life. Horrible yep. nonsense. Like, like paragraphs. Of Par- paragraphs. Like paragraphs. Paragraphs. <laughs> <laughs> Walls of text so big. Any yeah. any actually safe working environment that cared about its employees would have fired you long ago. Yeah. So I think the other thing that we should definitely mention is that any type of like occultism, mysticism, or like woo woo um, yeah. has a- actually does have a decent history within uh, right wing political oh God, yeah. ideas, and specifically like you know like more extreme like right wing. Um, stuff from the past few few hundred years. Like everyone's, most people know that like the modern not like the like the early Nazis had some mystical stuff going on. There was a lot more stuff going on behind the scenes. A lot of their favorite like authors also were like practicing occultists. Um, so this is this this is a thing that goes back a while. You can even see this to some degree with like how close Christianity is to a lot of the right wing to, to a lot of like the modern right wing in the states as well. A lot of what we would consider evangelical Christianity has a lot of 
stuff that's actually very similar to occultism. They just use different terms because occultism and, and like magic is taboo, but it's actually the same thing. It's all like just it's inter- it's interacting with the same systems just with different words. So like this is this is the thing that is is not it's it's not just on the internet. This is the thing that's been going on for thousands of years. In particular, the past one hundred years, we've seen a big rise in the amount of like of occultism and mysticism, specifically tied to politics. Yeah, um, and it, there's this. I mean, uh, pe- there have been a couple of articles written just recently about the fact that a lot of like the woo-woo left, the kind of um, not really esoteric, but kind of mainstream occulty left, like the the pop occulty left, has yeah. has increasingly turned towards stuff like QAnon, and a big chunk chunk of it is like this. This openness to like feel power in coincidences, synchronicity would be the synchronicity the term. is the term. Yeah, and and just a general open mindedness to, um, maybe too many things. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's you can see this on 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 a lot of a lot of sides because it's yeah it's it is definitely not just the right wing. I mean, it's like the biggest example of this would probably be facets of QAnon. The past few years have done very similar types of things. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff going on behind the scenes, like the, how how Pepe operated was very similar to that, which is what we're mainly talking about today. Um, but you know, there is also stuff like this on uh, on the left wing, whether it be like new agey type stuff that seems to kind of mostly be bullshit. Uh, but there's a you know other other type of like 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 of like folk magic or like indigenous uh, traditions that have uh, that have uh, I would say slightly more. Uh, yeah, significantly more like there's reason- actual... reasonable actually stuff going on um, yeah as opposed and, to just and... like new age selling books and that kind of stuff yeah one of the things that also separates actual religion from religion that kind of has formed in this mimetic way recently is that all of this stuff particularly what we're talking about today formed simultaneously with political sentiment and yeah. as and and was was crafted and in a lot of cases like they they state facts wrong specifically because they are trying to craft a political narrative alongside this like weird quasi spiritual thing. I mean, is, and, t- and speaking of spiritualism yeah. coming to the same kind of coming to the same, this is you know we're all kind of anarchisty adjacent here, and yeah. one of the things that really came up around the same time as anarchism in the 20th century was a concept called chaos magic, mm-hmm. uh, which was really really tied to a lot of old. Really tied to a lot of like anarchist thought and, and uh, anarchist kind of thinkers. Some of the most famous chaos magicians are like explicitly anarchist. Someone like Grant Morrison. Um, others are like Discordians, which have a lot of like anarchist crossover stuff, like like Robert Anton Wilson, which kind of operates in that same ocean. Um, yeah, he played a big role in kind of pulling me away from uh, proto alt right style beliefs, and I think also a, a lot of his work was very intelligently crafted because he wrote about conspiracies, he wrote about esoteric magic, but always with a really intent eye on increasing people's uh, defenses to this kind of stuff. What we're talking about today, um, he was very like cognizant of that. Like he wrote about conspiracy as an enthusiast, but also as someone who was trying to stop. Um, kind of unchecked conspiratorial belief. Uh, yeah, he went about about that in peculiar ways, but he was an odd man. Yeah, and the reason why I I've been getting more into this type type of stuff the past year, uh, increase, and the reason why I really like chaos magic as I like it as like a postmodern system of magic of looking at how basically if magic is just ideas and trying to figure out how our brains can interact with the physical world, then chaos magic introduces a lot of interesting stuff around like late stage capitalism. Uh, because it is, it's explicitly tied to to like postmodern art and postmodern thought, 
um, and, and the way you know brands and marketing and specifically the internet all affects our minds. It, all this stuff gets talked about in charismatic a lot, and I, I really like look using that framework for things. Um, and speaking of that kind of stuff, specifically around the internet, we're going to be talking about the the first thing I want to mention is like the concept of searching for something and then you're like you're and you're gonna find it whether that you know robert Anton wilson and um yeah. like the illuminatus trilogies has like and and like and discordianism has like 23 and the law of yeah. fives right I, I i read that book when i was 20 and i have been like seeing 23s repeatedly at like significant moments in my life for the last 14 years or so like yeah it's it's, it's like once you get that kind of meme implanted in your brain it can stick with you for forever and and this this happens to everything you know this happens yeah. to this happens to everyone like once you learn about a new topic the next day you'll see it somewhere right you'll yeah. be like oh you'll you'll, you'll you learn be like, a new you, word you'll and be like reading it yeah. and, it's, yeah. and it's in all these places that that you didn't see it before this happens yeah. all of the time with everything this is how yeah. this is like how synchronicity works and, and, and this is where religions come from and it this is, is what religions like, like, are. Yeah, yes. yeah yeah throughout history and it's because like this all has its roots in why we're very good hunters we are pattern and why pattern we're gatherers yeah. we're pattern recognition like our brains are pattern recognizing machines that's what we're best at and it means that we're good at spotting berries and tracking deer and it also means that we can't stop making religions we no can't matter stop what making we do. religions <laughs> and cults yeah, we, and if we have yeah. one too many synchronicities, we can change the entire way we view uh, yeah. view about the like the whole world, uh, yeah. which can have varying degrees of effects. Sometimes that can, if it's just a little bit, that can maybe actually yeah. be, be very helpful. Um, yeah. If you join a weird cult that does messed up stuff, then it's like, yeah, that's a problem. Um, yeah, sometimes it ends in Burning Man, and sometimes it ends in Burning Men. Yep. Oh. <laughs> Drop the bomb on that one. Oh. So. First thing I want to kind of discuss before we get into the actual timeline of how Pepe and Kekism became a thing, I want to just do a brief overview of uh, sigils and memes um, and, this, yeah. and this idea of what like let's let's take the original concept of the meme, which is like you know the, the it's genes are genetic, memes are cultural. The, these are yeah. cultural ideas that can spread like a virus, um, and usually. Memes in the since 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 the internet has become way more popular, memes have become more tied to images. Like like memes are a much more visual thing now. Whereas in the '90s they were more just like like an idea concept, but now they have like this extra visual backing. Yeah. So a sigil is a is a magical concept tied mostly to chaos magic, which is basically an abstract concept, um, or or like a, 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 a specific concept put into an abstract image. Uh, that then gets charged, and then it's going to manifest itself in your life. The reason why this works is because part part of this desire gets implanted deep in your brain when you charge it through like a trance, or there, there's 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 like there's different methods of charging sigils. But you have this you have this concept and this idea and this desire, and it gets put into you. So you're going to kind of subconsciously do things that that influence it into becoming something that you can see. Just like you know, if you're if you're looking, if you hear about twenty three, you're going to see it. Same thing for this. It's it's it's, it's the same kind of base concept. Um, and then uh, Grant Morrison, uh, comic book writer, my, my my favorite comic book writer. He he was he's really the only person that's developed sigils more since their inception. Um, uh, with the concept of a hyper sigil, which is taking the same idea of like wanting to influence change in the world. Uh, via this visual medium of a sigil, and instead of just having it be like an abstract glyph that you charge, uh, a hyper sigil is an entire work of art with this express interest. 
Um, so everything that you do in this is trying to get some type of real world change. And it's very, very intentional, right? And a, a lot of art already operates like this. This is why a lot of postmodern magic is very similar just to like making art, because it's the same kind of basic idea. Whether that be something like, you know, like The Matrix or, you know, any any type of art kind of does this already if it is good. Um, and it it can find ways to influence reality. So memes operate on this the same way. And eventually people actually found that eventually people on 4chan realized that they, that they were doing sigils and started using this word because it's really the same thing. When you're, when you're altering all of these images of this frog and posting it into all these different kind of more abstract, more like ugly, obscure, kind of like weird, like surreal t types of types of memes and you're spamming them on politicians' Twitter account, you're basically doing a group a group sigil and a group hyper sigil because you're all making these yeah. in individual things and you're spamming them into the world. And because there's so many of them, yeah, they're going to have they're going to have a real world effect. Um, yeah, and they're going to have a real world effect in part because of the way human brains work and in part because of the way algorithms work. Yep. Which is one of the things where like it's it's easy, especially if you're an impressionable kid to mistake the, the algorithm doing what it's designed to do, which is find patterns, groups of people sharing something and expand that to a larger group of people because, oh, if this cluster of people likes this, this will probably be something that's very successful. Algorithms are great at making synchronicities yeah. because that's what yeah. they're designed to do. Because that's what they're supposed that's, to that, do. That's the whole point of why they exist. And that's why this is that that that's why our because as you stated a little earlier and one of these days on bastards we're going to talk about helena blavatsky and like the the theosophy movement in more detail yep. and like all oh. of the occult stuff that fed into the third the early stage of the third reich but the occult back then is very different from the kind of occult feeding into fascism now which is heavily based around synchronicity because it's also heavily based around social media and the way memes spread yeah that's what i think yeah. what the chaos magic has really gotten kind of a resurgence the past few years with social media and how algorithms develop because they do mirror a lot of the concepts within chaos magic because the internet's kind of a chaotic place but it's also it's not just pure chaos it is chaos within a framework of order which is why i like the like the like, like the chaos star what like the like the actual like chaos like sigil yes the arrows are pointing in every direction but you can make a perfect circle around all of the arrows it's because it's not just pure chaos it actually is contained within, within this other framework and by the way, Garrison, when you started talking about uh, uh, synchronicities and sigils, I checked my phone for a second and saw that it was 517 on October 23rd. Uh, five, of course, contains both two and three and is thus a sacred number. October 23rd, I shouldn't have to explain why that's significant. Robert, and then Robert, 17 is a sacred Robert, number. Robert, it's, it's the 22nd. It's the 22nd. Yeah, but it's the 23rd on my phone. Why is because it my the phone's fucked up? on your phone? Because, because, because that's the universe, baby. That's the synchronicity. I'm living in the future, motherfuckers. And what time, and what time is it that it's not right now? It was 5.17 it on my phone. It and the other time it is... PM look, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need October to know 20th. what time See, it is Sophie, in your is... default reality, No, 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 no yeah. You're, you're on a different a different dimensional plane now. We have split a wrong into, two, into mm -hmm. two different ones. Why yeah. is and mine wrong? I think, I think this Chatelet. gives us... A, I think this gives us, a, gives, gives us a perfect opportunity for the audience to find their own synchronicities in these yeah. ads. Because who yeah. knows Ooh. what's going to happen? <laughs> Very who knows good, what's going to play? Spooky we ad don't know. Mm -hmm. So look for patterns and you'll find them. Ooh, mm -hmm. here's some ads. I hope it's an ad for the Egyptian goddess Mott. And we are back. We're gonna we're gonna now actually kind of get into some of the some of the actual Pepe nonsense. Um, Hell I think yeah. an important another important part to mention is that like for a lot of people doing this online, 
this this is like an online pattern that happens all the time. Um, it happens with it happens with stuff like this. It happens with 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 cat boys. It happens with a whole bunch of stuff. Is that like stuff starts as a joke and then you re- do it a lot, and the mm-hmm. repetition basically makes you do it genuinely. Yeah, um, like me talking about getting all of my followers to a compound in Idaho where we die fighting the FDA. You know? Exactly. Eventually, that turns into an actual death cult. So it's it's it starts as a joke, and then under repetition, it becomes genuine. This happens mm-hmm. to basically almost everything on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This, this 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 leads to Garrison and I doing the inevitable Robert Evans uh, uh, behind the bastards episode. Episode, that's our last yeah. Episode, mm-hmm. yeah. It was oh, the yeah last that's one. a three parter. If I ever heard one, you you <laughs> hope so. You wish. <laughs> what, well, hold on. Are, what, are, what are what are cat boys? This that oh, is that is oh, that is Daniel, a different that is a different I'm so podcast. Glad you're here. That that is a different <laughs> podcast. I think. Yeah. Hi. Sorry. I know I only interject <laughs> briefly. Is that is that are they are they like pre furries? Is that something different entirely? No, kind of post furry. It's kind of like post left. It's it's it's, it's rehumanizing the it's rehumanizing the furry. So like the same way <laughs> that they're humans so, too. The, the same way the same way Sonic the Hedgehog is a re Mickey Mouseification of Vegeta. Uh, Catboys are a rehumanification of furries. This is a whole process on the. I, I can explain this in great detail in a later episode. You're good, um, but I think we I, have enough. We have enough to talk about already. Understood. Um, Thank you so much. I'm gonna go get my my dog. Okay, sure. Um, would someone be willing to sacrifice their own uh, mentality to describe the the rise of Pepe just originally in the early 20 teens? Yeah, so it started as this guy's comic. There yes. was nothing particularly weird about. Yeah, it was just a, it was a dude's comic. He was like uh, uh, feels good man was kind of his feels good man. He was a chill dude. Uh, he was a he, chill dude. Yeah, not a fascist. Comic Pepe's um, actually pretty fun. Yeah, comic Pepe's great. He's and like, the artist is, is he's lovely. like he's uh, like a millennial slacker who doesn't really know what to do yeah. with his life after like after nine eleven after the financial crash. He's just trying to yeah. kind of get by. The comic's fine. Yeah. yeah, the comic's fine, but the art, just like kind of the specifics of how he drew Pepe made him very well suited for a meme because he's expressive and he, so he he shows up and starts getting spread in 4chan and, you know, it that kind of idea goes viral and it, it particularly gets attached to a lot of like the political shit on poll and the people who are like churning yeah. into Gamergate and the alt-right. Sad Pepe became... gets very popular, smug Pepe gets very yeah. popular, yeah. Yeah, and then... As uh, so, Keck is well. Ki- well Keck, yeah, I mean, Keck but that is, does tie Keck into bit, the frog shit. Keck yeah. is a bit late. Keck's a bit like later on. I think we'll go over more for like how Pepe is like the cartoon character got. You know, as, as soon as it becomes a meme, it spreads out into all corners, and the people who memed this hardest were were yeah. on fortune. So this is how Pep- Pepe became very yeah. kind of tied to this. And I think the last bullet in Pepe really solidifying him as as an alt-right meme specifically was the Richard Spencer punch. Um, yeah. I, I, think, I think that's the thing that actually was like done. It's like, no, Pepe is just this now. He can't be anything else. Because when, when, when Richard Spencer was being punched, he was describing what Pepe was. That was what's happening in that specific viral moment if you want to talk about like magical terms this is pepe getting like charged like this is the idea of like this idea getting getting charged because it is now going to be profiled to the masses in this in this moment of like pure emotion so that's when pepe really gets tied to that and i think uh hillary clinton made it very very worse yep the way she talked about this kind of stuff on her speeches basically gave gave the alt-right 
a baseball bat to hit her with. The the problem that Clinton and everyone else, because like a big part of, I would argue that like the largest part of why Pepe became a thing that was destined to last was that pundits and pol- politicians, including Hillary and media people, kept talking about it as a fascist symbol yeah. and kept discussing like what it was. And that anyone who grew up on the internet, who grew up around these communities knows that you would ignore them as yep. much as possible. To the extent that that's possible, you don't feed the trolls. You don't give them power. Yeah, you don't. And and talking about it, it again, this is like chaos magic shit. Like referencing it, bringing it up, bringing it into the real world gives it power. That's, that's the exactly thing that feeds it. Yeah. yeah. So that yeah. that's how it got so much more power. The more Clinton talked about it, the more news media wrote about it. Everyone got so excited on 4 chains. That, that, that's like, that's, that's, that, like, that is them winning, them, them seeing this thing. And, and and then, and, and then this goes, some. This goes back pre even it being far. I can remember because I was in these spaces when they first started doing shit like raids on the Church of Scientology. Every yeah. time there would be actual like news coverage of what people on the internet did, it got people so fucking excited because yeah. like the internet had been this thing that didn't matter for the longest. I think time. in 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 the book I read uh, about this kind of stuff, they they did use the example of like anonymous and the raids on yeah. Scientology being like a precursor to this type of like meme magic of this thing of yep. like of like internet forums influencing the real world through repetition mm. and getting getting to like grow power by getting people who don't use the internet to talk about these same things. Yep. Uh, it was like a precursor to then what we what we saw on the alt right, which is a, which is a pretty a pretty common uh, opinion. Um, and then and then enter enter the Egyptian gods. Uh, Robert, do you wanna <laughs> do you wanna do you wanna uh, do you wanna discuss? How did we get the, to that? That's we're good. That's what we're gonna say next. Is how this intersects with Egyptian gods. Um, so the ancient pharaohs played a card game of ancient and terrible power. Man, nobody watched Yu-Gi-Oh as a kid. This is no, oh, no man. No, 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 I'm, I'm surrounded by heathens. Did, my buddy. No, <sighs> yeah. man. Robert, do you wanna do wanna do wanna do wanna discuss Keck? Yeah, I mean, so way back in the day, um, and I, th- I think this even predates World of Warcraft. I remember it first happening on like StarCraft games online. There would be hell like, yeah. Gamers from Korea, and like when you were doing like a Zerg rush or something, which is when you have a bunch of guys and they all attack the enemy base or whatever, Mm. they would type out their term for LOL, which was like Kek. K E K, yeah. K E K. So it would usually just look like a stream of K E K E K E K E K E K E K E K E K E K E K E this really took off in in World of Warcraft, where like there were Korean gold farmers were a big thing, and like Kek was something that like everyone kind of knew what it meant because it was often the only thing you could understand. You could you could understand as an American that like these people would be typing. Um, and it, as a result of kind of all of that, it took off in internet culture as just a, an LOL. And specifically like one of the things that's going on here. So as the mid aughts dawn and the internet becomes serious business and like social media really, and everybody's even before social media is dominant, but just when everybody's taking the internet seriously, it's clear there's a lot of money in it. It's, it's mainstream you have this this kind of second generation of internet people who got on in the late 90s, early 2000s when they were kids who get frustrated at the fact that all of these different terms and phrases and like bits of internet culture that they had identified with are going mainstream and normies Keck is kind are, of a way no, of Normies like, are using them, yeah. Yeah, and Keck is, everyone knows what LOL is, people don't know what Keck is. So in places like 4chan, that becomes a really popular yeah. thing. And Keck kind of is like, so Keck, as a as a, a term for laughter is like floating around at the same time as like Pepe memes. And so whenever you whenever you like meme something into the mainstream, whenever like some 4chan 
op or whatever you want to call it, like succeeds in getting mainstream as coverage. Soon as, as, soon as, Hillary, as soon as Hillary Clinton mentions Pepe on stage, yeah. everyone unfortunately goes keck because they're laughing. Yeah. And they go keck, And they keck, say keck, stuff keck. like top keck and whatnot. Yeah. And, and, and eventually somebody realizes that there's an Egyptian goddess. One of the translations of that god mm-hmm. and goddess's name is K-E-K. Um, now there's a couple other translations. There's there's, there's there's a whole bunch of issues with this. If you wanted to look at it, that's with a rational yeah, kind like, of brain. It's because like this, yeah. the, 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 there was this old family of gods. There were very very old old Egyptian gods. The they, all had, they all had male and female versions. The male versions all had frog heads. Mm-hmm. Um, and but around because frogs uh, can change their gender. Yeah, because fr- frogs Park can change. Taught us all. Um, yeah. So like. So like all of the all this whole era of Egyptian gods all had frog heads. So there was yeah. one of them that was named Kek, who was a god of chaos, and this also played into how 4chan was using Trump because like they they liked Trump mostly yeah. as like as like a chaotic force that got people angry yeah. because that's what that's what 4chan wanted to do as well. They wanted to be a chaotic force that get, that gets people angry. So that's why right. they really latched onto Trump. Um, and then when they found out that oh, there's this god uh, named Kek who is like the lord of like 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 um. <laughs> Like pro, what's the, what's the word? Um, yeah, primordial darkness. Primordial darkness. Yeah, and this idea. So of not even chaos darkness. as not much even as chaos like pre being. Yeah, yeah, kind of like um um Uranus and like uh, Greco Roman faith, right? Like a god mm. kind of before the gods that are are more well known. But like this was a synchronicity, so they yeah. took it as like you know the same way religions take take yeah. synchronicity and create. And create like divinity. They took this as like a, a this take. They took this as like divinity. Now again, this this starts as a joke, but you mm-hmm. do it enough, and you start to take it seriously. And, and there's a you get a mix of um you get a mix of of real like Egyptology, which is that yeah, there was a god named Kek, like uh, among a bunch of other gods. One of the ways he was depicted was with a frog head, but also like bad Egyptology. Like I found an article on the Board Plus Press blog, Pepe the Frog Faith, which oh, I'm the, sure this, I'm sure this is a yeah. a bastion of archaeology. Yeah, and and the title is Amateur Egyptologist weighs in on the frog statue hieroglyphs, and one of the things he points out. Oh, is are, are you talking about the frog statue that isn't Kek, but they thought it was Kek? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And and a number of things. So like one of the things this guy claims is that the hieroglyphics for Kek are a frog man. Um, and then a couple of what he calls baskets. First up, they're cups, not baskets. Second, the actual um, uh, uh, hieroglyphics for for Kek don't include the little frogman. They're like two of the little cups in this weird T-shaped thing. Like, yeah, it's all it's all like it's bad. He's again amateur Egyptologist. Like he's just yeah. a kid who was googling stuff and like got some either lied or got some hieroglyphics wrong. But. So- this but, but, kind of stuff Kek, compounds. But Keck yeah. as like an idea of like now we have a backing of an ancient god. Again, first as yeah. a joke, but then some people started to take it more seriously. Really, really caught on uh, among people because cause it, it's funny. Like it's it's just funny and ridiculous. It is funny. It's so extremely it's, funny. Of course learn, it's going to catch yeah. on on 4chan because it's hilarious. Yeah. Right. So they're going to start using this and, re- and repeating this and creating whole new memes, creating like the, the, there's like there's like an eight eight part book series that's like fake oh, books God, written yeah. by like someone who's like just memeing but pretending to take it seriously. But like the, the authenticity doesn't actually matter because because it exists. It doesn't actually matter how yeah. authentic it is. Yeah. Like and there's there's weird coincidences that continue to occur like one of the biggest being there's this like phrase chatelet which creeps up in all of this and becomes like this exhortation that they use like a way of like exclaiming and such and then somebody figures out that chatelet is also a song like an italo disco song i think from the 70s and the album that chatelet is on has like a frog 
man face on the cover. Um, yeah. And so they're like, ah, oh, it's a sign. And because like all of the, vi- be- yeah. Because you're going to find frogs wherever you look now because <laughs> that has become the, the new 23 thing. I mean, you're right. Think frogs of, think are of the, uh, not uncommon. Frogs oh, yeah, are like, everywhere. You're going to find them everywhere yeah. now. And there are every ancient religion everywhere in the world, I'm going to guarantee you, there's some fucking frogs in it because like they're everywhere and they're, and they're old. weird creatures. People they've pay been, attention to frogs. They've yeah. been around for a long time. Yeah, there's a, um, frogs have been around a while. Cute. So uh, Kermit the, uh, the, the frog. The yeah. other th- the other thing that happened. So is people not only basically created their whole mythology around this, creating different types of religion. There was like Kekism as a religion, the cult of Kek, um, esoteric Kekism, all with their own distinct differences because these people spend all their time on the internet. Um, yeah, so they, they developed sure they developed these things, and they also found this old frog statue that they said yep. was Kek. It it, it actually it isn't. It's actually yep. it's actually a gold called Hecate. Um, but on the basis but that doesn't matter. It d- doesn't doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but on the base of the statue, it had it, it it had glyphs which appear to us modern humans as they they look like someone sitting on a computer. Like they look look like yeah. someone sitting in front of, of of a monitor on a keyboard. Um, it, it, and on the other side of the keyboard is a DNA spi- is is like what looks like a DNA spiral. So this is like Jesus God. like genes, oh, right? No. Genes genes are DNA. Memes mm. are cultural DNA. This is a, a glyph of the god yeah. Keck on a statue with yeah. someone on a computer <laughs> with a DNA spiral. Oh. Of course you're going to take this as like some like message from the, from the gods. You're like, "Yes, yeah. I'm supposed to be I am supposed to be by my meme I'm doing Keck's work to put Trump into office. Yeah, it's um, God, that's frustrating. It sure like, is. Uh, it sure is. But I mean, like you, all of those in the in group, this is yeah. like the statue was just a depiction of what it, the Keck people and the and the Pepe spammers were doing, posting on the internet to manifest real world change, and that's it, that's all it is. If you want to see other examples of this, like if you look at the ancient alien stuff, there's this like famous Mayan hieroglyph of the astronomer that's like. If you if you know what a telescope is because you're looking at it a thousand years after it was carved, it kind of looks like it might be a telescope. And it's part of what like people say like, oh, this is proof that like that this is an alien, like he's looking at a, a fucking telescope. And it's like, no, it was there's other explanations for it. It was something like that somebody carved yeah, I, I think there's there's another thing that you start running into here. Like and I, I see this like not even like I see this just this is just on the internet all the time. Like I see leftists do this or like so like okay, so you learn something and then oh, it's not true, but then people will keep spreading the thing because they'll say and I've had it, this, it, people it, say this like well, it might it has well more be, power. Like, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it, it might like, well be. It has more power with it, so you're still gonna believe it. Yeah, yeah like, like when like, I talk about the fact that Will Wheaton murdered three people in 1998. If you repeat, this is the what? message. Yeah. This, like yeah, yeah, with a knife. What? It's horrible. Yeah. Now, I mean, he was in Thailand at the time, so he was able to get out, and we don't extradite. Ah. So he's mm. he's he's got out scot free. But yeah. Okay. Word. But I mean, like, this is like the same. He's a this is this is the same thing that Trump does, which we'll talk about a bit. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll talk about a bit. Is like if you repeat the thing enough, it becomes true for large swaths of the population. That that's that that's all truth actually needs to be yeah. for people. Um yep. I think I think we're gonna go on break uh, and come back and close us close us up. And finally finish this horrible discussion. Um, anyway, you know who won't meme fascism? Well, actually, being... KFC. The, yeah, the, the, yeah, you're right. The, the, <laughs> have you seen? Have you seen the KFC fascist posting on Twitter? Yeah. There's, yeah. The, there's like a Spanish KFC account that has been doing that. Is, that is up to some shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. I hate. I hate that. That's a sentence that. 
that that you got to say. Yeah. <laughs> I just hate it. <laughs> Pro- products. And we are back. I have finished an entire uh, dark meat bucket, and I am so full. Yeah. Um, yep. And now, yeah, now I'm sad. Bucket. I'm sad because I'm still thinking of the fascist KFC Twitter account. Um, hmm. So. We we the other thing I want to do want to mention is kind of Trump's own uh power of belief kind of idea and how Trump was basically using esoteric terms was able to basically create an alternate reality for millions of people to live in. Um Woo. and there's really no getting through to them now because they are literally just in a just in a different dimension. Yeah, and the, there's just there's, there's there's no way to pierce that other dimension. They're no. basically living in just a totally alternate reality. There, there's there's no use saying that it is the one that we live in. Um, so t- Trump is obsessed with a few of these ideas. He's less in like the, like, he's less interested in like the woo and more interested in like the power of positive thinking, power of your own belief. Yeah, um, yeah. He, the, uh, he, he grew up in a movement and a specific Norman church. Vincent Peale stuff. Yeah, yeah he, he, he grew up following a specific movement and church call, that falls under the umbrella called New Thought. Um, yup. Which is where uh, Trump's, you know, Trump's like like very how strong Trump's ego is comes from this idea of that you need to reinforce yourself and reinforce your own victories because if you do that you're gonna you're you're gonna find them right if if you're looking for twenty three you're gonna find it if you're looking for your own victories you're gonna force them to happen um even if they don't happen in to other people right is but like so that we we see this happening successfully with the twenty sixteen election we see both like all of the memeing. Uh, everything that happened in twenty in the twenty election worked for Trump, um, and it you know we, we you know of course he of course he didn't win the popular vote, but that doesn't actually matter. But it worked in, t- in getting him to office. Now it you know d- it worked less well for the twenty twenty election, um, but still his reassertions that he won still gave us a lot of real world results, like the January sixth Capitol insurrection. Yeah. So like yep. it's this right so this type of idea that if you re- if you if you reinforce this thing if you reinforce this belief if you can if you have if you have this idea and you keep putting it out into the world it's going to manifest some type of real real world uh, result yeah. and that that was January 6th that's what that was Yeah baby and and that's the kind of the world we live in now. It's like the weaponized unreality world where people, because of how media works, because of how the internet works, they're able to create this like chaotic like like sphere of of energy and ideas that can like spread so much faster than anything used to be. That could, everyone can segment their own reality into to, to degrees that we've never really seen before because of how fast information can travel now. Um, it is a it is it is a new it's it is a relatively new thing the the way that yep. the way that this 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 can operate so like memes memes themselves and like pepe and all this kind of stuff undoubtedly had had an impact on not only just the 2016 election but just the entire political climate surrounding the whole trump presidency uh now t- to the degree to which we can credit meme magic or the god keck that part is meaningless because because mm-hmm. the effect is the same the like the the, the synchronicities w- were still experienced and mm-hmm. and truth is just is just experiential. So it, 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 the beliefs that we kind of hold will shape how we experience things anyway, and that will experience what the actual truth is. There yep. is there, there is a great Robert Anton Wilson quote that is like, "Reality is what you can get away with." Yup. 
And yeah. that's that's like <laughs> that that like summarizes how Trump was able to be so successful yeah. because he was able to shape reality. Right. I think uh, me, me and me and Chris were talking about this the other day about how uh, Chris, I, do, do you want to say the thing about like the Democratic Party and Republican Party and how reality? Oh yeah, is yeah. Okay, okay. So there's 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 a thing, and Garrison I think was too young for this, but there there's a very famous thing that that one of the Bush administration people said about how Democrats lived in the reality based community, and this this was like a whole thing in the in like the 2000s. This is during the Bush administration, and everyone loses their minds, and this is like a whole meme on the Democrats. That's like, oh, well, we're the reality based community, and they're not. But 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 then this is the interesting part. If you look at the second part of that quote, right? What he's actually saying is that so the Democrats are the reality based community, right? They they analyze reality. The Republican Party is the party that creates reality because they're the people in control of the empire. And this is this is what neoconservatism was, right? And you know the, the argument here basically is that the Democrats are you know they're always going to be a step behind because they're merely analyzing reality, whereas the Republicans are using the power of sort of the state to mm-hmm. you know change and define it. And this this worked for them. You know, I would argue th- this is how they came into power. This is how right. they're, they're, this is what they're yeah. still doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they, no, they, this they can, is but, why every president since Ronald Reagan has just been Ronald Reagan with a mask. Yeah, but mm. but I think I think mm. there's something very important here, specifically about how Bush took office, right? Because Bush Bush steals the election, right? Bush does like the thing that Trump was trying to do is what George mm-hmm. Bush did in two in two thousands, but with a the, riot, just with a very yeah, yeah, specific yeah. kind of riot. Yeah, yeah. but the, but this is the thing. The thing. This is the thing that Bush and the neocons understood that the Trumpists kind of understand but never quite solidified because they're not like they're not sort of insider political actors which is that okay so all of the stuff about saying something and it becoming real right there's there, there's sort of a limit to this if if you don't have a gun now if you have a gun then the the limits of that are are you know it's it's it, you you can do basically whatever you want because you can just you can force everyone else to also accept this as reality you know this is mm-hmm. what the state is right and there, yeah. there's, there's a whole th- there's a whole thing this is a couple like performance theory where it's like yeah so like you you saying the thing makes it so right well this is this is what a state is and this is how Bush won the election because yeah. he unlike Trump whose people tried to like take power directly by like storming the Capitol Bush was smart and Bush was like oh okay. I I'm I'm going to I'm going to declare that I won the election and but 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 instead of like openly doing it right I'm going to get the Supreme Court to declare that I'm president. And you know and this 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 requires the Brooks Brothers riot to stop the counts and all this other stuff. We're like you know it, but it, but it doesn't Yeah, yeah, it's great. But it's like it doesn't it doesn't matter that you know he he didn't win Florida. Like if 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 the if the votes had actually been counted, he would not have won Florida. But because he was able to get Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. L-A-S-I-K LASIK.com Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K LASIK.com 
Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Courts to say that he was president, he, he was president. And, and that's, magic, that's like that is the concept of magic words. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And this is this is this is this is this is all the state is right. It's the this this the state is magic with a gun behind it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the, the yeah. state is magic because like it's like yeah, you're right. It's like magic can't have a hard cap. There's going to be a certain amount of people that you know with 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 Trump's reality altering kind of power. There's a certain that there is a hard cap on how much that can influence the general population. But if you have a gun behind that, that gives it so much more enforceable power. Yeah. yeah and um, and to, to go back to Egyptian mythology, one of the <laughs> attitudes they had about the pharaoh is that reality was whatever the pharaoh declared. Other a lot of societies have this idea towards their monarchs, and the duty of his people is to make reality conform to the pharaoh's will. And like. Yeah. That's that's what the GOP does. Like that's no, yeah. Yeah. that's what think, fascists always do. I I th- I, th- I think the quote surrounding like yeah, the Democrats are the reality based party because they because they you know observe they reality, accept the reality. The and, GOP and like has and set, yeah, and yeah. and like and like and like libs and Democrats are like yes, they they like they they take this on pride. Like yes, we are rational, we observe reality. Meanwhile, the Republicans are like no, you just observe it, but we can just we can create it. I think yeah. that is a great example of how those two parties operate politically and yeah. how – because, like, yes, they're both they're both right-leading parties, but here's the difference for how they actually operate is that yeah. one of them is way more passive in their observing of reality and one is is okay with getting their hands dirty and actually forcing this type of reality-altering changes. I, I, yeah. I will say I think, like, one thing to close this out is that, you, you know, we can we, we can tie this all the way back to the, the second part of the Jewel of Power episode, which is that the Neocon, the Neocon project doesn't work. And the reason it doesn't work is that, you know, they, they like, basically they lose militarily. 
and that just that implodes the entire project and so you know and, and if, if 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 you look back at like all of this stuff about how we can shape reality we can shape reality we can shape reality that stopped being true the moment that you know like they lose control of basra or like mm-hmm. you know all, all like yeah they, 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 when, they, they when run into fucking, other people uh, uh... Uh, Muqtada al-Sadr yeah. used to be unkillable by all the weapons of empire. Yeah, yeah, it's like, and, you know, and, and Sadr and does this by, like, you know, Sadr sets up a bunch of baby clinics, mm-hmm. right? He's like, here's a bunch of clinics, here, we, 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 we'll, we'll give help to pregnant mothers, yeah. like, are you guys really gonna shoot us? You know, he builds a militia around this, and he's, and he's able to, like, He's one of the just, smartest people on the planet. He's yeah, extremely and he's able, good at what yeah, he does. He's, not, he's yeah. not a good guy, but, like, able no, to no, just, monster, like, completely but... <laughs> shatter the neocons. Like yeah. they they're dead. Like they don't like that that project, which was like the culmination of this this incredible like intel, this incredible intellectual project, this incredible military project, and they got their absolute ass kicked by a bunch of people doing dual power. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think, and I I, I really I, I do want to talk more about kind of chaos magic and this there's kind a of lot stuff to talk on, about here, on, on the pod. I think in the this future. is a good grounding, and I think, but yeah, I, th- I think this is a great intro and to I, how of the how these concepts overlap with politics, and, and I, I'd like to disagree. Overlaps. On the end of this, with one aspect, Garrison, because you said their reality can't be pierced, but the ancient texts speak of a spear that uh-huh. once pierced the side of Christ itself, and while uh-huh. Hitler held it, his armies were ascendant, uh-huh. but it was stolen. Uh-huh. And if we can find the can spear find of Longinus, Garrison, we can pierce their reality. I have, hey, I have a fedora. I have a whip. We can. Do we this. all have fedoras, Garrison. We Let's can do, do it. it. Let's go. All right. Um, we are we are off to find the spear uh, that sides us off. The you spear can, of destiny. You can follow our adventures on Happen mm-hmm. Here Pod and mm-hmm. Cool Zone Media on Twitter. Um, and yeah, I'm sure we will give you updates for our spear yeah. adventures on the pod in the yeah. future. Sophie, we need half a million dollars to find the spear of destiny. By okay. Way. Okay. Great. See you on the other side. Hey, Lethal listeners, Tig here. Last season on Lethal Lit, you might remember I came to Hollow Falls on a mission, clearing my Aunt Beth's name and making sure justice was finally served. But I hadn't counted on a rash of new murderers tearing apart the town. My mission put myself and my friends in danger, though it wasn't all bad. I'm gonna be real with you, Tig. I like you. But now... All signs point to a new serial killer in Hollow Falls. If this game is just starting, you better believe I'm gonna win. I'm Tig Torres, and this is Lethal Lit. Catch up on season one of the hit murder mystery podcast, Lethal Lit, a Tig Torres mystery, out now. And then tune in for all new thrills in season two, dropping weekly starting February 9th. Subscribe now to never miss an episode. Listen to Lethal Lit on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The art world, it is essentially a money laundering business. The best fakes are still hanging on people's walls. You know, they don't even know or suspect that they're fakes. I'm Alec Baldwin, and this is a podcast about deception, greed, and forgery in the art world. You knew the painting was fake. Um. Listen to Art Fraud starting February 1st on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I call the Union Hall. I say it's a matter of life and death. I think these people are planning to kill Dr. King. 
On April 4, 1968, Dr. Martin Luther King was shot and killed in Memphis. A petty criminal named James Earl Ray was arrested. He pled guilty to the crime and spent the rest of his life in prison. Case closed, right? James Earl Ray was a pawn for the official story. The authorities would parade, oh, we found a gun that James Earl Ray bought in Birmingham that killed Dr. King. Except it wasn't the gun that killed Dr. King. One of the problems that came out when I got the Ray case was that some of the evidence, as far as I was concerned, did not match the circumstances. This is the MLK tapes. The first episodes are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Kill them all! This has been It Could Happen Here, the show where I just kill them all. Garrison? Chris? You wanna, wanna take over? Oh boy. I just woke up. I haven't had coffee yet. That is just incredibly spooky. Urgent murder. Well, it is yeah. spooky. You're right. This is yeah. true. Like I, am, I didn't realize that until just now, but retroactively, that makes it fine. See? Extremely um, spooky. Yeah. What are we doing? Who are right. we? We're, we're doing... We're, we're, where it could happen here. We're doing... Is it, this, is, this, is, this is a, a podcast where we talk about spooky stuff that happens around Halloween. And... Today we are doing the spookiest thing of all, which will be revealed shortly. Oh boy, I hope it's Will Wheaton. Is not Will Wheaton. Well, unfortunately, that, that's the spookiest. Thing. I, I really, I really should have looked for that tie-in because there, there Will might Wheaton be one. Is a CIA asset. We might get there. I don't know. Okay. Okay. See, this is this is I'm hacking a fraud, and I didn't actually look into this. The Will Wheaton connection. Yeah. Nope. Well, we missed it. You and most journalists. Yeah. All right. What are we? What are we doing? What are we doing? On June fourteenth, nineteen forty-seven, a rancher named W. W. Mac Brazel and his son Vernon were driving across their property when they encountered quote a large area of bright wreckage made up of rubber strips, tin foil, and rather tough paper and sticks. Yeah, me too. It's <laughs> just a regular night in 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 Oregon, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Continue. Well, Brazil's back in a time where people are baffled when weird things happened instead of going, oh, it's Tuesday. Yeah. So, that, oh, man, what a time. Yeah. So they didn't just go straight to Twitter. No, no. He, he, you know, he, he doesn't think that was actually, you know, I, I, kind of like reasonably, a reasonably responsible thing to do in 1947, which is that he spends about a week like picking up all of the, the scraps that he can and like Aww. putting them in a box and then he, he drives it to the sheriff. Okay, and sure. And the sheriff's name is George Wilcox. I love, that says a lot about the difference in urgency back then, where it's like, oh, this is important. I'll spend a week getting everything together before <laughs> yeah. I take it off to the sheriff. <laughs> like, before the internet, you could really afford to, to sit yeah, on can, some you, shit. Yeah, you could take, take your time. It was an era in which, like, if you had a busy life, three things happened. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, so George Wilcox, the sheriff looks at this and is like, I have no idea what any of this crap is, like, what is happening. So, he takes it to Roswell Air Force Base for further investigation. Ah. Now, Colonel Butch Blanchard, the, the, the commander of Roswell Airfield's uh, 509th Composite Group, you know, sends, sends a team out to analyze the wreckage, which includes an Air Force intelligence officer named Major, Major Jesse Marshall. 
Now, Marshall gives a now infamous series of quotes to the media that results in the Roswell Daily Record running the sentence, quote, the intelligence office of the 509th Bombardment Group at Roswell Airfield announced at noon that the field has come into possession of a flying saucer. Now, this is sure the birth. Is. Yeah, well, I mean, this, this yeah. isn't the birth of modern UFOlogy, but this is, you know, this, this is one of their most important er events. Yeah, and, of and course. The pictures do rule. All of all of the yeah. Roswell pictures are super rad because it's just random shit in a field, and yep. they're like, "It's aliens!" <laughs> yep. There's random shit in the field. Now, this this is all happening amid just like like scattered sort of reports of UFOs that have been cropping up throughout the throughout sort of like the post war era. Yeah, and the next day, the Air Force releases a statement saying, "There's no flying saucer in the wreckage; it's just an air balloon." It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's just a weather balloon. Sure. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. So the Air Force sure. is lying. Sure, sure, Air Force. Yes. Weather balloon. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're lying. Everyone knows they're lying. But this is where things get bad. Because what Mark Brazel really discovered was something even spookier and more sinister than aliens. What Mark Brazel had discovered was the, Mer- the American Military Industrial Complex. That the is wreck, incredibly spooky. It turned uh, out, that's what's really spooky. Oh, it's, it's, it's real spooky. It's... Yeah, we're, by, by, by the end of this episode, they will have... I, I had to cut two times. They almost killed everyone on Earth. Because... Oh, <laughs> Okay, well, all right. So we're going to be judging folks for almost killing everyone on Earth. Like, you haven't almost killed everyone on Earth. Come on. That's true, that's true. Podcasting saved me from a It'll life do it. of mass get... extinction of the yeah. entire human race. And will eventually end all life on this planet. I, sure. I believe in podcasting's potential to kill absolutely yeah. everyone. Yeah, it's it's great. It's it's a time. It's yeah. Actually, you know, this part part of this is actually going to be about how we get to the point where everyone is podcasting on the internet about things. That that that, 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 that does this, a, this yeah. does absolutely play in yeah. to the yeah. Roswell incident. Yeah, because yeah, there's a there's a strong line between shit like Coast to Coast FM and the old like conspiracy. You know, the precursors to that. Uh, uh, alien UFO whatever radio yep. shows and shit on the uh, on the wideband back in the day and uh, and podcasts where we are right now. Yep, it's it's great. It's a, it's a good time. We're descended from great media. We're going to continue to produce great media. We're uh, totally not just like an extremely lar- a much larger version of the, the the radio broadcast you get right before a genocide. That's like that's not what's happening here. It's all in fact good and cool. Yep. I mean, this is why I tell people to get machetes. It's true. Oof, that was a bad. Yeah, that's a made that made that comment. Look, we just well, we, we just we just we just got to make let's, sure. Let's continue. O- only ways to blaze on. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, let's move right ahead. <laughs> now, the Air Force is lying out of its ass, but the Air Force isn't lying out of its ass because they have a flying saucer. The Air Force knows precisely what they've got their hands on here because the 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 unidentified flying object that has crashed at Roswell is actually something called Project Mogul. Now, to understand Project Mogul, we need to go back a little bit. Yeah. Now, in, in, in 1945, the U.S. drops two nuclear bombs on Japan. And this does a lot of things, literally all of which are bad. Yeah. Um, and what, one of which is that it sets off a sort of, it, it sets off, you know, the thing that we all live in now, which is this, this, the, the nuclear arms race between the U.S. and the USSR who, you know, by, by pretty quickly after World War II are just bitter enemies. And, you know, by, by 1947... I, there's just wars raging across the world between communist and anti-communist forces. This is was war in China. I mean, in Greece, which I think people know people know more about the Chinese Civil War. Uh, people know less about it, Greece, where just like the British 
the British are like, oh, the communists are going to take power. So they just like give all the guns back to the fascists and they start doing the Holocaust again. And that, you know, sets off this own another civil war there. And, you know, as, as, as Europe becomes, you know, divided between the two great powers, the U.S. becomes increasingly worried about the USSR acquiring their, acquiring their own nuclear weapons. So to detect a potential Soviet nuclear test, the U.S. embarked on Project Mogul. Project Mogul sent 657-foot balloons. These, these are like massive balloons. They're, they're twice the size of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, those balloons are bigger than a balloon needs to be. Yeah, they're, they're uh, too large. <laughs> it's too big for balloons. And they, so they, they load these balloons with like sensor and listening equipment to, to like detect a nuclear detonation. They like, they, they like float them into the upper jet stream and the jet stream will like push them to Russia is sort of the plan behind it. And this sort of works, except the Russians don't have nukes yet. So yeah, this, by the way, is also why the song 99 Red Balloons was not just a banger, but also uh, very realistic because we absolutely could have had a nuclear exchange over some fucking balloons. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, actually, I, I don't, I'm not sure there's any direct balloon related near nuclear exchanges in this episode. But no, but don't it, worry. It could have happened. <laughs> yeah. <we've>, it, it, <laughs> well, you know, and, and what, what, what it did actually do was you know set off the modern ufo thing because yeah. you know one yeah one, one of these balloons like fails and it's, it spews the wreckage around and you know there's yeah th- this this you know th- this is this then you, you see a bunch of the problems that are going to happen with sort of the rest of how the course of ufos go because you know you have initially the government's like we have a flying saucer and then they turn around and do this like incredibly half-assed cover-up that like everyone knows is fake. And, you know, so you know, because Americans are Americans, they don't assume that like the US is, you know, creating a devastating new surveillance and intelligence no. program that will no. be used to further total nuclear war. Instead they go, it's aliens. Yeah, because we're great at Occam's razor. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a time. But I think what's really important here is that what Brazil had actually made first contact with was America's new thermonuclear monarchy. And this is something that I think more people should talk about, which is that having nukes just a- as a thing massively centralizes power into sort of individual people and into the executive branch. Because, you know, so if you have nuclear weapons, right, the theory is that you have to have one person who presses the button to shoot them. And you, you can't have like, you know, th- there's not enough time for like a parliament or deliberate body to like set the nukes off. And so th- this becomes this rationale for enormously centralizing the power of the executive branch and this this produces an absolutely terrifying new age of state secrecy filled with increasingly powerful and clandestine government agencies and bureaucracies ranging from the cia our good friends to the much lesser known atomic energy commission and these agencies the power of their secrecy is so strong that i mean by the 1990s the atomic energy commission's like successor agency uh decides that they can keep secrets from the president on the basis that the president does not need to know, which is absolutely horrifying. Well, yeah, I mean, look, it's just you got a democracy and that's going to be a problem because in a democracy, people presumably get to make choices. And if you don't want them to decide not to continue making weird shit to throw into the sky, then, you know, why well, you, you probably should just not tell anybody anything. Yeah, well, and that, that particular story is also grim. I... I... <laughs> This is one of the things I was debating covering. They're they're covering up the fact that they deliberately poisoned enormous like hundreds and hundreds of people with radiation to do human testing on them. Yeah. 
yeah, and they're like, sure the president happen. doesn't need to know this. Like, doesn't need to know about our. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like uh, it's, we it's don't great. tell Sophie guys a lot of the things that we do with our budget. Um, like when we irradiated all those people for a podcast, we're we're still not telling Sophie that. Yeah, the, the, it could happen here. Black budget will remain secret. Yeah, it is a lot of money. Please continue. Now, now all all of the secrecy around this and the fact that these cover ups are like the most half-assed shit anyone has ever seen, you know, it, it, continue, it fuels this rampant speculation around UFOs. And the conspiracy theorists are also aided by the fact that people keep seeing weird flying objects. We sure do. We love, we love to see weird shit in the sky. We are very good at it. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, we're, in, we're incredible at seeing weird shit. And the sky yeah. is full of weird shit. It's true. I saw and, a crow the other day. Damn. Anyway. Yeah. In, 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 1990, in 1955, hundreds of people start who are on airplanes start seeing these just enormous flaming crosses flying impossibly high and impossibly fast in the sky. And oh, publicly, no, the KKK's gained space flight. It's it's worse than that. <laughs> it's, it's it's the people the people doing this are worse than the KKK, which is. Wow, Fun. what is what a sentence? What yeah, a sentence, it, Chris? It's great. It's yeah. So so you know, in, in public, the U.S. government's like whatever. These aren't a thing. They're fake. Whatever. They're meteorological disturbances. Mm-hmm. Uh, in private, the passengers who are on these jets that that see these flaming crosses are all detained by the FBI and for, and sworn to secrecy after providing accounts of what they'd seen. Awesome. And yeah, you know, and this this is also a part of, of of the the sort of UFO mythology. And this does actually happen. Like the the FBI does actually show up to these yeah. people. Well, that's who you send in when you want people to stop wondering if something shady is going on. Yeah, yeah, it's When great. I hear the <laughs> FBI is telling people to shut up about something, I think, well, that's not worth looking into at all. When you have five men in suits and sunglasses show up at your <laughs> yeah. door and tell yeah. you not to talk about something, you know that means everything's fine and normal. Yeah, that's great. You know what I don't think of when I think of the FBI? UFO cover-ups. It's great. <laughs> yeah, and this is, this, this is America's first contact with... Yet another new part of his clandestine military military bureaucracy, Area Fifty One. Ah, now, Area Fifty One is a secret military aeronautics research and development facility built on a salt flat called Lake Groom inside the massive Nevada Test and Training Range. Um, this place, by the way, this place is massive. This place is like the size of Connecticut. Like it's like larger than Connecticut. It's, it's larger than than most of the eastern states. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it's enormous. And it, but you know, it, it's something I think is very interesting about this is that for all its mystique. Area 51 is not the most dangerous facility on the Nevada Test and Training Range. No, that's Area 52, the sub-level below where they store the real weird shit. Yeah, I'm Okay, aware. so the funny part I is... Watched we... a f- I watched a few YouTube videos. I think I know what I'm talking about. Well, that's funny. So the, we are actually going to get to Area 52. Okay, all right. Yeah, well, but, but the, the, yeah. Thing, the, thing, the thing that's actually really dangerous is Areas 12, 19, and 20. Because okay. that's the Nevada How many site. areas do these motherfuckers need? There's like a hundred. They, 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 they like sectioned off all these things. Yeah, all the others. Because I mean, this, this this is like a state-sized like testing facility, right? You okay, they get all something. these fucking areas, but the Branch Davidians have one compound <laughs> where they don't even do very many illegal things, and suddenly it's a problem. Well, but okay. here's the thing. The, the I see how it is. The Branch Davidians never had nukes. And that 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 well, that's all. could could you imagine though? <laughs> that would have been pretty amazing. You know what? If they'd had nukes, about like eighty people would still be alive. <laughs> Maybe they, they might have accidentally nuked themselves, or everyone would be dead. One yeah. of the yeah, two. Yeah, that's those are the two. Yeah. Eighty people would be alive, or everyone on Earth would be dead. <laughs> so 
Area 51 is the partner of the Nevada test site, which is, which is areas uh, 12, 19, and 20. And that's where the real dangerous shit happens, which is the U.S. tests nuclear weapons there. Okay. But we, I need to make it clear at the outset, uh, we should not be underestimating Area 51. That place has done irreparable harm to the cause of world peace and very nearly like caused us all to go extinct several times. So do not underestimate the power of, of, of military spy airplanes. Yeah, they, no, they those too are, can lead us all to destruction. Those oh, are no. on, honestly I way mean, more way more spooky than any l- little gray creatures yeah. of large heads oh, yeah. you can think of. Diff- various planes just with cameras on them have gotten us closer to the extermination of all life on Earth than basically anything else. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Except for that one computer bug that, uh, that the Russians had that would have killed us all if not for... Um, uh, Petrov, I think his name was. I forget his last name. Yeah. That one guy who was like, yeah. "No, nah, we're not going to have a nuclear war right now." Yeah. Oh, there's there's a lot. I, this is this is weirdly the Soviets come out looking like, oh yeah, not no, they bad def- in this episode. <laughs> yeah, it's like like every every time there's almost a nuclear war, it's like it doesn't happen because the Soviets are like no, and the Americans are like we want this war, and the no, Soviets yeah, are like we, no, we really don't actually rule want to when it comes to. Atomic apocalypse stories. If you if you if you tally up all the columns, because the Soviets definitely have a few in their side, but oh, it yeah. winds up way more fucked up nuke incidents on the U.S. side oh, of yeah. things than the Soviet side of things. Although there was that time they built a bomb so big that it might have changed the tilt of the Earth if they did. <laughs> yeah. And at the last moment, they were like, "Let's take half of the fissile material out of this. This yeah. seems like a bad idea." <laughs> oh, man, it's it's great. Yeah. So, so spe- speaking of bad ideas involving uh, in- in- involving nuclear weapons, so a- Pro- Area Fifty One. Oh no, I thought, thought you were doing services. an ad break. We, we it is time for an ad. So yeah, speaking speaking, speaking of, of bad ideas, you know what else ba- will change the tilt of the earth? <laughs> the products and services, their quality, is so intent that it's like the Tsar Pomba. It is just and like it's that explosive yeah. potential. Okay, okay, here's some ads. Yeah. Area 51 was founded in 1951 by the Atomic Energy Commission, a federal agency established as a successor to the mother of all black projects, the Manhattan Project. Ah. Now, yeah. bl- black projects yeah. are secret off-the-books military defense projects, the existence of which are kept secret even from Congress, which is a totally cool and normal thing to have in a democracy when your uh, representative body does not know what anyone else, what, what the military is doing. Yeah. Now, Area 51 is interesting because it's it's basically like a black project of a black project. It's so secret that like the vice president, LBJ, who is like not a fuck off vice president, right? It is, this is LBJ. No, L- like <laughs> LBJ yeah. wields some power. He's yeah, he's, he's like, like a Cheney type. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Cheney's also going to show up in the story briefly. Yeah, but yeah, uh, he, like even he didn't actually really know what was going on there until like after JFK was assassinated. So this this place is really secret. And as best we can tell, in its first four years, it was essentially the Atomic Energy Commission uh, basically wanted a place to do off-the-books like pilot and aircraft testing. And they were able to do this successfully that like we basically don't know what they did for four years. But in oh, 19- that's good. Yeah, but, but, it, but in 1955, the facility is taken over by an even spookier organization, the Central oh. Intelligence Agency. Ah, our, our old friends. Woo! Yeah. Now, now the, the CIA, the, the, you know, this, this is 1955, and the CIA has spent the early years of the Cold War 
getting just its absolute ass handed to it in Europe because you know this is what happens when a bunch of dipshit Harvard grads in like hey, yeah because they keep poisoning people with acid and that's all they're doing yeah they yeah but not... you know but the problem is they, so they're running into a, a real intelligence agency which is the KGB who like like those guys do not they, fuck around they like, don't <laughs> just poison people with acid they yeah, do they 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 are they, they're yeah. they're much much more intense than than the early fifties the CIA yeah yeah and so and so they, they have this real problem which is that. The, they, the CIA basically can't get intelligence out of Eastern Europe, which is bad yeah. when your whole, like, your entire, like, state is based off of, like, fighting Eastern Europe. So the Yeah, solution, that's kind of your main target. Yeah, yeah. So the solution is to fly a plane really high over Russia and use it to take pictures. Uh-huh. Now, yeah, seems good. Yeah, like, I, th- I think, like, th- this sounds, like, I think kind of banal to us in the 21st century, where, like, I mean, yeah, we are... Yeah, because this is, this is, like, this is, like, this is, like, pre-satellite. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and you know, like, like we, we're all just sort of used to the fact that, like, the government is spying on us at all times. We sure are. But, you know, in, in, in 1955, this is incredibly radical. Like, the, the, US, the U.S. has only had intelligence agencies for, like, 10 years, and there, there is no precedent at all. There's none. No precedent for flying surveillance over a country you aren't actively at war with. Like, the, yeah, the, the only reason you fly an airplane over a country is if you're about to bomb them. People should note also that, like, the first 10 years or so that we had an intelligence industry, every single – or that we had, an inte- like, intelligence agencies, every single vote for funding them, every single, like, vote for giving them new powers – was like universally supported by both parties. There yeah. was there was zero dissent about whether or not we should have a CIA and they should have a giant black budget to do all sorts of scary shit that might provoke a nuclear war. Yeah, it's like really, people were just like, well, of course, <laughs> it's really bad. And, and I think this this is you know this, this is what Area Fifty One actually is. The Area Fifty One is the place where the development of the, the permanent intelligence industrial complex is 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 permanently solidified. And this all starts with the U two. Now, the CIA brings in Lockheed Martin and a little-known but very powerful and influential defense contractor called EG&G, who, I mean, they, they do a lot of stuff, oh, God, but... that's such a defense contractor Yeah, name. It's, 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 it's like, it's the ultimate defense contractor name, and nobody knows who they are because they make, like, cameras and, like, film equipment and stuff, but, like, you know, Ooh. so these are the people who, like, made the cameras that could take pictures of nuclear that explosions. Could, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and so and so the, the CIA brings them all to this, like, remote testing range in Nevada to work on a secret project called Dragon Lady. Now, in its early stages, Area 51 is so secret that, like, even the Air Force doesn't know about it. And this, like, really pisses off the Air Force's senior, senior generals. In, in particular, a guy who is going to become very important to this story, uh, Air Force General Curtis LeMay, who, like, that man... Like that, I I don't say this very often about historical figures, but like, so if if someone had assassinated General Curtis LeMay, the world like we would like the, the the amount safer that the world would have been. LeMay was one of the architects of saturation bombing, starting yeah. in World War II and continuing, uh, in from uh, up to now. <laughs> it, yep, it, we and, didn't and, stop, and that is that is not the worst thing he's involved in. Yeah, As, uh, yeah. Now, but and, and LeMay is extremely pissed off that the CIA doesn't tell him about this, and uh, he's going to remember that. that that's going to become important later in the story. But eventually, the CIA is forced to bring the Air Force into Area 51 for a number of reasons, partially because they're flying airplanes, and partially because the U-2 is, like, kind of a piece of shit. You know, and part of it is, okay, so th- they're learning how to fly planes really high for the first time. But 
you know, the U-2, if you fly it too slowly, it stalls, which is like, okay, that's kind of a normal airplane. Yeah, thing. the U-2 the U is an amazing aircraft because it just is one yeah. of the most absurd pieces of aviation equipment ever designed. And, like, watching those things take off and land is the most funny thing I've ever It's wild. Like, and the, the other problem is the thing. Okay, so, like, yeah, so it has, it has a stalling problem, but it also has a problem. If you fly it too fast, the wings will fall off. Okay. <laughs> it's so fragile. You build a plane, Chris. It's so, it's so massive and so fragile. Yeah. The wings are so heavy and so large. It's <laughs> one of the most ridiculous pieces of, of equipment ever designed. It's, it's, it's incredible. So, yeah, so the, the CIA needs help to get this thing working. And so the result is that Area 51 at this point is, is staffed by about, it's, it's one-third CIA, one-third Air Force, and one-third Lockheed Martin. What a what a combination! Yeah, it's, wow. it's, these are the it, God. Can you imagine that cafeteria? <laughs> the conversations. It, it, yeah, it, it's wild too because it's like okay, so you have a bunch of just like spooks, right? You have a bunch of just yeah. like CIA people, and then there's just like a bunch of test pilots who are like yeah. just nuts and have been they, like yeah, like a bunch of like like pe- people who are like yeah. genuine war heroes who like fought in World War II, but then went turned around and like did horrible war crimes in like Korea. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's a yeah, that's how it like, works. Twenty percent, twenty percent, like Tom Cruise from Top Gun, but with horrible PTSD, and eighty percent Michael Douglas from yeah. Falling Down. Oh, it's he also, hasn't picked up a gun yet. <laughs> we 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 can, we can mention this now. So, uh, Top the the reason that Top Gun exists is actually also Area Fifty One. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because at, at one point, uh, the U.S. like so, the the Israelis. Managed to convince a, 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 a I think it was a May twenty three pilot to defect, and then they gave the airplane to the U S. and so the U S. spent a bunch of time like flying this big twenty three around and figuring out how it worked, and that's how they like trained all tra- they basically trained all their pilots because they, they suddenly knew how the MIGs worked, and that's that's the origin of the Top Gun program. But then right. also hilariously, the, the MIGs got their revenge uh, when when an Air Force general whose name is whose name is I am not making this up his name is General Bond, okay, and he was God. like he's like shows up to Air Fifty One is like I want to fly I want to fly a MIG eighteen. And they're yeah. like, okay, buddy. Eh. And then he just flew it into a mountain and died, which oh. <laughs> is crazy. Okay, well, all right, that's, never mind. That's extremely funny. We have, yeah. we have turned my opinion. Was he around killing around. himself or was he no, just no? No, no, he was just at... flying it. Yeah, but he, the problem is that is he was flying. That's incredibly yeah, he was flying a MiG eighteen, wow. which mm-hmm. is like a really, that really is, fast, difficult to control plane. Just flew that down. rules. <laughs> that rules so hard. <laughs> I see. That's I was. I was. You just completely changed my opinion of this man. Wow, it was amazing. That is that is the that is incredibly based. I'm yeah, so happy. Un- un- unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of other way more depressing plane crashes that happens here. And All right. Part of the reason it's bad is because so the, you know this this whole thing is a black. Project, I have trouble right? imagine being depressed about anyone there dying. Oh, it's it, it, it's it, it it's kind of so there there's a I don't really care so much about the people, but like so for example, a bunch of, like 14 of the, the the people who are flying U2s like die and they like they 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 crash into a mountain. Oh, um, well, in one of the that's fine. About. And it's like, I mean, yeah, but, but the, the, the thing yeah. That's, that sucks about it is that, like, like, the U.S. government lies to their families for, like, half a century about how yeah. they died. <laughs> and Absolutely. it's like, this sucks. But then it gets even worse because, again, like, this is, you know, this, this is the black project of, like, all black projects. And that means that uh, they have a bunch of people from Operation Paperclip because, again, this is a facility run by the CIA in the 1950s. God. And so they let... These literal, a bunch of literal Nazi Nazi doctors run endurance tests on potential U two pilots. Now, these doctors are Nazi concentration camp doctors who had uh, performed horrific human experiments on people in the camps. So naturally, uh, when they do endurance tests, they torture people. So they they would do things like they would force pilots to like hold their arms under ice water for like extremely long times. They would strap yeah. them to chairs, just like 
randomly electrocute different parts of their body and it was like yeah I mean, it's, it's, it's a nightmare like it's yeah you know this is what happens when you give the nazis free reign over a completely secret testing facility where no one can even talk about what people did to them it's, it's great it's great it's it's <laughs> this is this is why you don't have black projects because the nazis wind up in charge of them and they torture people yeah i think we're pretty Ooh. we're pretty all on the same page of not having really any yeah, projects it's bad <laughs> Now, the, the CIA has another problem, which is, which is a much weirder and funnier problem, which is that people keep seeing their spy planes. They should, yeah. And, you know, and so part of this is the, the original U-2s were silver, which means that uh, they reflected the sun and thus I looked didn't like know a giant that. flaming cross. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the very like, first yeah. U-2s are, are, now are they're, like bright silver. Yeah, because like, yeah, they, they, now they're all matte black. But yeah, yeah, they, imagine yeah. like a, a chromed, a chromed out yeah, it's, U-2. It, well, oh, this that, is the thing. Like, kind of, it, it, it looks it like does a flying sound cross. Incredible. Yeah, and it's but you know, like this, this, this is the, you know, this causes like a huge number of the UFO sightings. Just people seeing this thing, and, and eventually they're like, "Wait, we have to make this black because like having a spy plane that glows in the sun." Yes, <laughs> a bad idea. No, and, and worse yet, so you know, the U two can fly at like sixty five thousand feet, which is it's way it outside the go. range of anti aircraft guns. It is ridiculously yeah. high how fi- how high that plane can go, but. The CIA, in their eternal hubris, assumes that it's also too high for the Soviet's radar to work. And mm-hmm. so what happens instead is that they, they fly a U-2 directly over the Kremlin to, like, take pictures of where Khrushchev is sleeping. And the Soviets just immediately see it. And All they right. get really pissed off because, again, like, th- there's no precedent for flying a spy plane over a country you're not at war with. And they're like, what the fuck? Why are you flying planes? The problem is they, they can't actually, like, shoot them down because the plane's too high up. So they're just it's sort of simmering and getting down. mad. They can just see it, yeah. Yeah, and but but the U.S. is like, okay, this is not provocative enough, right? Like we've we've now flown we've now flown planes over the house of like a guy who can fire nuclear weapons. That's Fuck not yeah. enough. No, that's uh, incredibly funny. No, actually, it, it it is very funny. But they're like, they, yeah. So C- Curtis LeMay, who's it also reminds Cur- me of some things. That, anyway, we we don't need to talk yeah, it's, about it's alleged actions in front of Russian embassies. Continue. Yes. So LeMay is this guy. This guy is a, a threat to all humanity, and he has this idea. Like, okay, he wants to figure out how the he want to figure out like how the the USSR's radar system works. And so his plan is he's going to get the USSR to trigger their radar system, and he's going to do this by flying a thousand B forty seven bombers over Alaska and fly them like right at Soviet airspace, and then turn around the moment before they get in. Guys, come on. <sighs> There's yeah. other ways to no. That's there's, there's, based. There's do other it. ways to do trolling. Like you don't no, need to not. like. You don't need to risk the entire population yeah, with your you, trolls. It, like, yeah, it's, you it's, do, it's, it's, it's Garrison. Another... See, this is why you're not an A level troll. Uh-huh. A level <laughs> trolls know that if you're not risking the entire future of possibly all life in the known universe. Then you're just you're not even really. There's trolling. other ways That's to just troll. Cuck shit, Garrison. Make some friends. Cuck make, shit. Make some friends and not... troll your friends. It's not that hard. Come on, no. guys. Troll the world by by playing chicken with its continued ability to it's support great. any you know, life above the microbial level. Like the, 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 thing, the thing that's incredible about this too is the only reason any of this works is that the Soviets, like, I mean, the Soviets are not good, but the Soviets aren't who the Americans say they are. No, like, they're sure not. Like, if, if 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 the U.S. had done this against the U.S., everyone on Earth would have died. Oh, we would be in, so in, dead. Yeah, like, oh, like we in, would have in, nuked in the 19, shit out of all life. Yeah, yeah. on the end of it. And and LeMay, like, you can say of like who LeMay is. LeMay, someone asked him about this afterwards, and his and he says, and I quote, "With a little bit more luck, we could have started World War III. Oh man, oh okay. this guy's uh. this guy's a fucking like 
Jesus, yeah, they're like all monster. Yeah, they are. Like, they, they are all just. Is, yeah, like like this this is so bad that like the CIA sends a panel of like advisors to the president telling him that like you can't do this again because the Soviets will think it's an actual attack. When the CIA is calling you out, then yeah, yeah, it's, I yeah think it's, it's time it's, to it's, it's time bad. to wrap up shop. Yeah, I think we like, did, we're done. Mm-hmm. And, and it, but the thing is, like, th- this is not the like the only just absolutely psychotic thing going on in in this period, like around Area Fifty One. So in 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 nineteen fifty six nineteen fifty seven. Uh, the U.S. tests the first dirty bomb, and they really don't know what this thing is going to do. And it's like, this is extremely dangerous. You're detonating a bomb. It's placed plutonium everywhere. But uh, just wait. Uh, lest you think that detonating a dirty bomb was not dangerous enough, in 1957, they dropped something called the Hood Bomb. And this bomb, like, the blast... This, okay, they dropped this, dropped this bomb in Nevada, right? The blast of this bomb blows out windows in L.A., People, people see wow. again. This is in Great. Nevada. Excellent. People see the explosion in Canada. Great. Like they see it in Mexico. Like you can see it from eight hundred miles out to sea. And the funniest part is that it temporarily renders Area Fifty One uninhabitable, and they forgot to tell the people <laughs> at Area Fifty One to evacuate. That's, oh, that is incredibly Just funny. Just giving everybody cancer. <laughs> that is that yeah. actually Love is incredibly funny. It. That yeah. actually is incredibly Fuck yeah. funny. Yeah, and then you know, so but the Area Fifty One people still want to work there, and so they. But the thing is, this is like before they have hazmat suits. So they good, send a bunch of good. people out in lab coats with like magnets to go collect radioactive bomb fragments so people can Great. go back to testing spy planes in Area 51. Great. <laughs> That's extremely fun. Just killing all of their I have, spook it's I have no yeah, I have no problems with this. <laughs> yeah, this is fine. This is completely <laughs> this is fine. Amazing. We have probably saved a lot of lives, honestly. Yeah. It, well the problem the problem is though that they they like Area 51 was allowed to resume, and that like very nearly killed us all. Many yes, times. but like the, the the more people that die at Area Fifty One and get cancer, the probably well, they, odds they are they that that contributes slowly. to th- it. It yeah, is it is it is slow death, I guess. That's yeah. what everyone says about radiation poisoning. It happens too slowly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, okay, so Area Fifty One's U twos are like continuing to do flights and pissing off the Soviets, but unbeknownst to the Americans, the Soviet anti air capacity was rapidly improving. And on Good May Day, nineteen sixty. The U.S. pushes it too far, and they, they they send a pilot named Gary Powers to fly over the Soviet Union, and the Soviets just like shoot the shit out of him. And there's there's actually this really cute moment where like he crashes and he survived, and he's found by some random oh, Soviet farmer, and the Soviet farmer just like is like, oh hey, cool, and just like gives him a cigarette with Luckia the space dog on it, and they have this Aww. like very nice moment where they they smoke a cigarette together, and then uh, Powers gets arrested by the Soviet government and put on trial for espionage. Now, yeah. the interesting part about this is that. So the U.S. assumes that Powers is dead because when they designed the U-2, the CIA was like, oh, yeah, if this cr- – they didn't tell the pilots no, this, but they, if the it CIA, crashes, yeah, everyone will is, die. You are yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, but, but, you know, Powers lives through it. And so they, they – they, the U.S. is, like, claiming on live television that Powers was like, oh, this wasn't a spy plane. He was collecting high-altitude weather data for the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics. Sure he of was. Course. Yeah. Sure. This lets Khrushchev has like his finest hour here. It's like incredible theatrical moment. He, he gives this incredible speech that's like he's he's like he's like asking like comrades like what what would happen if Soviet planes flew over Detroit? An immediate war and and he, he goes on this thing about how he's accusing like he's like okay so who who said the spy plane? And he's like well it couldn't be the American people. It must have been the American militarist running the spy plane uh program without the knowledge of the commander in chief. And so the US like keeps denying it. And then Khrushchev, a couple of days later, gets this another incredible line. I'm going to quote from this speech because it rules. 
Comrades, he said, I must let you in on a secret. When I made a report two days ago, I deliberately refrained from mentioning that we have the remains of the plane, and we also have the pilot, who was quite alive and kicking. And the U.S. just, like, gets owned because they've been... Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, yeah I'm, it's... Sure, I'm sure the states is, sure isn't thrilled. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, like, it's an enormous embarrassment for this. And there's, 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 there's a couple of other great lines. So, so Gary Powers gets tried for espionage, and there's this, there's this incredible line in this trial where... Uh, Sergei Rodenko, who's this, uh, he's an Air Force general, and he's also part of the trial. And he calls Area 51, quote, a criminal conspiracy between, quote, a major American capitalist company, an espionage and reconnaissance center, and the military of the U.S. And this I mean, is when true. you're right, you're right. That, yeah. is, that is true. Like, you go ahead. I, this, I don't, yeah. this, is, this is literally what Area 51 is. Um, you know, but, but this is where everything goes to shit. Because there, there was supposed to be a massive, like, U.S.-USSR peace summit. To like uh, look at uh, denuclearization. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. And so, and and Khrushchev is like, okay, Eisenhower, you you need to apologize for flying spy planes over our country. And Eisenhower is like, no. And this yeah. this yeah, the, the the conference is canceled, and the world is plunged into mortal peril that will only barely survive. And but barely, of, I mean, we did it. It's fine. Oh yeah, I we got extremely lucky. Um, yeah, all all of this basically causes Khrushchev to like start a military buildup in Cuba. And, oh, you know, shit. you can see where yeah. this is going, but but don't worry, lest lest you think that Area 51 is only indirectly responsible for this. They are, in fact, directly responsible for the Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh, Great. good. Uh, you know, they, 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 and Area 51 does, they, they do a bunch of other stuff to, like, fuck with the Cubans. Like, they have this thing where they, they send in pilots, like, right up, the, right up to, to Cuban airspace and, like, have them basically trade missile locks with Soviet pilots so that they can uh, test the Soviets, like, electronic weapons capacity. And it's like, again, cool. once again, we only didn't die because the Soviets didn't shoot after the U.S. did some, like, just absolutely bonkers. Some shit we like, would have absolutely oh, yeah, shot them we, for we doing nuked if Moscow. they'd done it to yeah, us. Like, yeah, like, if, if, yeah. If, 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 a, if a MiG had buzzed, like, Washington, D.C., we would have ended all humanity. Yeah, we sure would have. Now, they fucking knew that. God, that has to be so frustrating. Yeah. Like, like, not a lot of sympathy for the USSR in my book, but just being like, well, this is unacceptable. But if we do literally just what they're doing to us, they yeah, will end all life kill, on Earth. Yeah, so I guess we have to be chill here. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, well, and speaking of, of doing things, there's also there's also an incredible uh, Bay of Pigs connection, which is that uh, Richard Bissell, who's the guy who did uh, Bay of Pigs, was the guy who ran Area 51. And what? one of the reasons why it fails Great. is that, so remember when I talked about how uh, the CIA pissed off Curtis LeMay by not yes. telling him about Air 51? So uh, the, it, the LeMay is supposed to send a bunch of B-52 bombers to support the Bay of Pigs, and he doesn't do it. And his defense <laughs> is that he fucked, like, his defense is that he fucked up the time zones, which, <laughs> like... <laughs> I've missed, hey, we've all missed meetings because of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm late all the time because of time zones. It's that that you know what Curtis LeMay did nothing wrong. Yeah, it, it, in it's, that it's, instance, it's, it's amazing, and th- this this causes Blissell, you know, but it, yeah, it doesn't work because it's a clusterfuck. And yeah, th- this you know this this causes Blissell to get kicked out of the security establishment, but it it doesn't stop the U.S. fucking with Cuba. Of and course not. So some the, more areas we still haven't stopped fucking. Oh yeah, with Cuba. no, we're like never going to. It's it's incredible. Yeah. And and but but okay, so this is the time that came closest to killing us all. Which yeah. is that Well, Chris, you know what will also eventually kill us all? Products and services. Is yeah, these no, all that's, of these that's not even a joke. That's just true. Yeah, all of these yeah. things that is being sold for fake money. So yep. Bye. 
products. And this is when Garrison Woo. goes on a rant about fiat currency. <laughs> oh, we're back. And we're talking about the Honda Fiat, which is certainly Whoa. a car. I lost, it all to, I, lost, I lost it all to Fiat, please. Everyone, mm-hmm. everyone send, me, send me what you can. I'll reinvest and give you back your money in a few days. You're anyway. going to buy one of those fucking, one of those 8-bit illustration NFTs that costs $2 million, <laughs> aren't you, Garrison? <laughs> oh, you bet. See, no, wait, Robert, you, you can't. I heard, I heard now that they're making physical copies. This is a brand new phenomenon. They're making physical versions of an NFT so you can actually, like, have Own something. It? Yeah, yeah it's amazing. I'm sure there's, it costs an extra fee. There is, yeah. There's nothing else like this. It's like art, but you actually can have it. It's the first time. It's, okay, it's okay, really, Garrison, really Garrison, amazing. Robert, you guys, you can't, you can't tell the public how our how 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 we funnel all of our money around for our black projects. You're not allowed yeah. to explain our money laundering schemes on air. <sighs> you know, one one surprising thing about all of this, like Air Fifty One stuff, is honestly the the degree to which the the government does not deflect stuff by using alien shit more often. Well, like, if they were smart, they that. they could just use alien shit more often to deflect any suspicion yeah. about what's actually happening. So they sort I don't know. They, they go back and so so part of what's going so they go back and forth on this and part of what's going on is that the the, the CIA when 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 people start first reporting UFOs like they have two like concerns, one of which is that it's just going to cause panic in the US public and they don't want they they're doing the sort of like elite panic thing and they're afraid yeah. that it's going to go insane or whatever. Sure. But the second thing that they're worried about is that they're really concerned that the, the the Soviet Union is going to uh, block out the U.S.'s early warning system by sending a bunch of fake UFO reports, which would be very funny. Yeah, which would be very funny. But you know, but so so they, they, their initial line on UFOs is like they're tr- they try they're, they spend a lot of time trying to get everyone to like not believe in them because they're like this is this is treading hysteria and it's like damaging our early warning capacity because people keep reporting and also because people just keep seeing their spy planes and so they're just like guys, there's no UFOs. It's, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to in a little bit of some more about that because there's a lot of very weird stuff going on there. But first, yeah. we have to almost end the world. All right, let's let's just do that first, and then so, we'll get to that. In, in, in 1962, the CIA flies it flies a U two over uh, over Cuba, and they uh-huh. get a bunch of pictures of nuclear weapons. And this this is basically the thing that starts the Cuban Missile Crisis. Although. I, I also, I also, we need to talk about LeMay one more time because before they get these pictures, LeMay is convinced there's, there's no nukes there, and LeMay wants to do a preemptive strike on Cuba to stop the Soviets from bringing missiles in, which again literally would have killed us all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, but LeMay gets voted down, so the CIA, you know, sends the U2s in, and this, this is the thing that starts the, 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 uh, starts the Cuban Missile Crisis. And you have the Soviets and Americans like staring each other down at sea, and. But again, because these people are just like like because the Area Fifty One people and the CIA people are just nuts, they keep sending UFOs. They, they keep sending U twos over Cuba, and they, they they're sending U twos over Cuba. And and the, the Americans like line on the U twos they send over is if they shoot down a U two, we're going to invade. Cool. And so the Soviets actually yeah. do shoot shoot down a U two, but for like the only time ever in history. Uh, the U.S. is like, wait, maybe we shouldn't end all, like, literally end all humanity. And yeah, that's good. Like, we we, we get this, we get this moment where just like, you know, you 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 get to actually, so you have all the like just horrific leadership stuff that has got you here, but you you get a moment where like the soul of humanity is tested 
in like a very small number of people. And it's like, if, if any one of these people on either side flinches or like decides that they want to end all life on earth, everyone is going to die. And for one of like, this, you know, this is like, this is like one of the only times ever that it has actually mattered that we're not all just like terrible pieces of shit and we didn't do it and we didn't end all humanity. And eventually you know, the whole, the whole thing is wound down and alternatively the people in charge realized that if they were doing this they could no longer do whatever fun stuff they did in their spare time and it's only for selfish reasons oh yeah i mean of course I the, just... yeah the 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 let me say it's like the the, the 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 leaders get no credit here at all the the people who do get credit are just like the random assholes on a ship who like got sent over to the other side of the world and had to just like sit there knowing that they could be destroyed at any moments and then didn't panic and like held yeah, and kept kept everyone on Earth from dying by just not just like holding it together in a situation that would have just like destroyed most people. So so good good on good on like the crews of the ships for not killing us all. Yeah, that's um, always nice. Yeah, I mean, so depending on how I feel, yeah, a given day. Now part 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 of what's happening here is is, is uh, so the U is getting shot down. Uh, it makes Area 51 people go, we need to build a faster plane. Sure. Uh-huh. And so there, there's, their solution to this is the A-12 ox cart. And the A-12 ox cart is interesting because this is another thing that everyone thinks is a UFO but actually isn't. And I mean, there's a very famous UFO picture of like one of NASA's like X-15 rocket jets. And in the very, like, in the very corner of this rocket picture of the rocket jet, there's, there's an A-12. And everyone Great. is like, Oh, this is a UFO. This is a UFO. And it's like, no, it's not. It's this. But you know, the the CIA keeps doing these like half-ass cover-ups. But like, yeah, like you can just see these out of passenger planes. Like if you're in a plane, you'll just see it. It's like, oh, this thing looks like a cigar just flew past. And they, they try to do these. They do looking. They do look incredibly weird. Yeah, and it just doesn't work. And eventually, in in, 19, in the mid '60s, Walter Cronkite like goes on TV and tells the American public that the CIA had been doing a UFO cover-up. Cool. Which is true. Cool. Yeah. But everyone assumes this is about aliens, but it's, it's not about aliens. It's nothing to do with aliens. It has everything to do with the fact that people keep seeing this biplanes. Yeah. And so the, the Air Force gets put in charge of an investigation of UFOs. But the problem is that only a few top Air Force generals know about the A-12. Yeah, they, only a few people know about the existence of this aircraft. Yeah, so. yeah. And so the low-level investigators are like, oh, the Air Force is doing a UFO cover-up, which they are, but they assume that it's about aliens. And so yeah. a bunch of these people like turn into alien, like UFO conspiracy theorists and... Yeah, because this is, you know, and, and we're, we're getting to see this. The, the, the U.S. basically, through its sort of like the secrecy around these programs, it just it keeps creating UFO conspiracies. And yeah. there, there's some, okay, there's some question as to how deliberately they're doing this. Um, so the head of the National Investigation Committee on, on Aerial Phenomena, which is like the Uf, U.S.'s UFO study group, yep. uh, in 1969 is taken over by Joseph Bryan III, who uh, Joseph Bryan III was the CIA's first chief of political and psychological warfare. He seems like a solid dude to hang out with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like a G. so I, I have no idea what that means. What, what, no, there, no one there, does. Yeah, there's no there's, way to know. You know and, and there's there's some reports that there have been a couple of like uh, books and documentaries in the last in, in the last like ten years that have reported there has been a that, lot. Yeah, that yes. But it basically reported that that people in the CIA deliberately fed like fake UFO information to people to cause people to like go even deeper into their conspiracy theories. Which stuff. I absolutely believe. I yeah I I was I will say this okay so like this is the kind of thing the CIA would do, but the people who are giving the evidence are sketchy, 
And I mean, of course, yeah, like that. that yeah, it is, yeah, that is kind of how. That, I mean, they probably feed it to a lot of people, and the people who talk about it. Well, I mean, so the the, the people who are testifying about it are the people who allegedly did it. Yeah, which is okay. interesting. But but the the thing that well, the problem is weird about is those people also just sort of they're like, oh, I I spread this conspiracy, but like they kind of, they also want to get into the UFO scene. And so, yeah, kind of question, it's it's weird, and it is and, a lot of I weird, think, conflicting interests going on. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is this is one of the problems with the CIA, which is that like, okay, so there's 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 a couple of there's like some important things you need to understand about the CIA. It's like they're bad. You don't need conspiracy theories for that. They're just they're bad. They do a lot of bad things. Um, the CIA having done something is not in and of itself proof that they did another thing. So, for example, like you can say the like you know you say something like the CIA is a moon base. Right, and someone asks you for evidence, and you can go, "Oh, well, they did Operation Paperclip, and they're involved in the development of rocket technology." But just because the CIA did Operation Paperclip and had rockets does not mean they have a moon base, right? Like this is yeah, this yeah. is this no. is something this is something happens all the time with when people talk about the CIA. That and, is, and like it's a hard basic to avoid fallacy. falling yeah, into. Is, yeah, but, that is like a basic fallacy. That, yeah, you yeah. you <laughs> cannot you cannot use something that the CIA has done as direct evidence they did something else unless there's a direct tie between unless unless you have evidence that the other thing happened. There's other people who suck. Yeah, yeah. One, and and, one and the other thing remember. is, they're, they're not omnipotent. And, and this is one of the example I always bring up because it's really funny. So the CIA just completely missed two, com- two different Indian nuclear weapons tests, like across two decades. Like, not only did they not realize that, the, that there were tests going to be happening soon, like, they didn't even know that India was doing tests at all. And then they, they in the end, yeah, so these nukes would go off and they would learn that the, the India was doing tests when in the Indian government announced it on TV. So, like, they're, they're not actually omnipotent. I think right. I think what is it also sort of interesting people. is I'm not I'm not sure if you're in a type not sure if you can bring this up shortly but like this sort of thing is definitely still happening in terms of like oh, yeah. like air force pilots seeing weird stuff in the sky and then going to talk about it be like you yeah, know yeah. just like this is some other aircraft usually yeah. well, it's, like it's, usually usually yeah. we're able to actually like prove what these things are um but like you know, military or people see stuff they talk talk about it in the news and the timing is always weird it's always been like some other like like civil unrest is happening when like yep. we get some weird piece of information about UFOs. You're like, oh, yeah. really? What what a coincidence! Well, and it's it, it's an interesting thing too, because, though, because like th- there's this kind of like weird interplay because like a lot of like 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 senators and presidents like actually believe that there's UFOs. And and this is like I this mean, is a weird I mean, thing because like, UFOs, there's, there's tension, yes, but like there's different. Yeah, like, well, do, do you mean like UFOs or do you mean like aliens? Well, like like aliens, like this, like the, the, okay. there are there are a lot of people in the government who do believe in aliens, and and, and it's it's this weird tension because and a lot of, like everything is like like I don't know uh, like Harry Reid for example was a big alien dude right, but Harry Reid like I mean I know he's very powerful in Nevada so like maybe he knew but like Harry Reid is not someone who knows what's happening in these black projects no. because they don't tell they don't tell Congress right. I mean, he he might know because of how powerful he is, but like again, it's up in the like even even the people who are supposed to be in charge don't know like, what's actually happening, and that means at, they fall for conspiracy theories because yeah, they fall for conspiracy theories, and at this point, it's more of a it's more of a fandom than anything else. Yeah, it's really yeah. easy to get sucked into a fandom like yeah. that. So I can't. I mean, I don't trust yeah. any congressman on any level, specifically around this issue, <laughs> because this is solely a fandom issue. It, it's like it's like it's like taking their opinion on like religion it's like i i care zero amount because it's only a fandom at, yeah at that point. but and I, I think i think that the thing that is very dangerous about this though is that again area 51 is like the existence of area 51 is like an atrocity to anyone who thinks you live in a democracy they have almost killed us like multiple multiple times and sure everyone have. is like oh it's the aliens it's like no they they literally almost ended life on earth like four times 
and and oh, yeah, you know, we're gonna get into they, they they yeah, we'll get into the other horrible stuff they do in a second. But I do want to talk about the one cool thing they did. Oh, because oh. Okay, they did one thing that was incredibly awesome. That was the greatest thing the American Empire has ever produced, which is they made the SR seventy one. And the SR seventy one is fucking sick. This is this yeah, is the is coolest airplane anyone has. Like, just like go Google a picture of it. It looks so cool. It it can hit it can hit Mach three point four. Like, it's just fast. It's faster than bullets. Uh, it is. It doesn't have any weapons on it, and it, it's its defense strategy. If someone shoots a missile at it, is to outrun the missile. Yeah, it is yeah. the strategy. It's yeah. what the X Men's so plane is. The yeah, X Men's yeah, plane is based so, off. It's, it's the coolest it's thing dope. ever. It's a it, fucking it, rad. It, it, plane. it does look just like the X Wing. Uh, it, it, it does look just like the X Men's. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's specifically it's there. Yeah. a modified SR seventy one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's dope it's, it's as the shit. Sickest thing ever. And and it's like and, and, yeah. and from that was like that was the pinnacle of the American Empire was when they made this this one just absolutely yeah. incredible machine. And then uh, they used it to do war crimes in Vietnam and then Great. they were like, oh, it's too expensive. And Dick Cheney, who is a demon in human form who will one day return to the hell that spawned him and spend the rest of his days being torn apart by Satan, uh, has the program killed because he wants to make B-2 bombers. And he's like, oh, we gotta be able to drop nukes from weird triangle planes. We can't run the coolest plane of all time ever anymore. Ooh. <sighs> So yeah. he he kills it and it's depressing and it's it's everything is bad now and he will rot in hell eternally for yeah of his many we, crimes killing the SR seventy one the only good thing the Americans ever did he should have <sighs> this is the only thing we should have ever spent money on as a country yeah but if look if if no like, roads just a network of SR seventy ones taking it, 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 it was it, it was almost three hundred million dollars in today's money. For one yeah, plane. sure, but like the the, the F thirty five is like yeah, a trillion. A it's like a trillion dollars. Look at how much worse that plane looks than the SR seventy one. Like yeah, every successive plane flying around in an F thirty five. They're so wet. They're so bad. Because oh, Professor really Xavier sad. has has fucking style. Unfortunately, so there's a, the the other things they're building there are horrifying. Um, one of the most important ones that I think people have sort of like forgotten the real impact of is, is that the F-117 Nighthawk. And so, so uh, Area 51 is basically where America's stealth technology is developed, yeah. which really does sound like conspiracy, but like, no, this is actually like, yeah, this, this is, this is what they're yeah, doing. They're, they're, they're doing do yeah. They're doing stealth technology and the Nighthawk, the Nighthawk is really bad. And the Nighthawk is really bad because it fundamentally changes the balance of power between anti-air weapons and bombers. And this means that the U S can just like, I don't know, for example, just obliterate an army of fleeing Iraqi conscripts without having to, like, worry about someone shooting down their planes. To be fair, I do think, I do think the Nighthawk looks way better. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com.
Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Than the uh, previous plane we mentioned. SR seventy one. Ah, no, the SR seventy one's way cool. I mean, that's no. not a bad looking plane. But the Nighthawk is a beautiful so cool. plane. It's a. It is a horrible killing machine. It's, yeah. it's all it's designed for, and it looks like it. It looks like death. Like the plane looks like. It's death. true. It, it does. It looks like. Well, that's why I like the SR seventy one though. Because the SR seventy one just looks like it looks like a. It's, it's, it's like a race car looks that like flies. Sexy death. Yeah. Whereas yeah. whereas this the, whereas one looks like is like. This yeah, one looks like like, mi- like 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 yeah like a government put into a plane that is death. That yeah. is what this pl- and, that, is, and, that is what it looks like. And so yeah, and this is this is this is part of a transition. The, the, the Nighthawks actually is is there's an interesting transition that's happening here, which is that so the Nighthawks actually SR seven uh, the Nighthawk is tested at at Area fifty one, but this is the first plane that like can actually drop bombs that Area fifty one ever made because up until up until this point they've been doing reconnaissance aircraft they've been doing the U two the seventy one the the A twelve which is like. Yeah, they're just capable of accidentally ending the world yeah, by policemanship. These also like deliberately ending it by dropping bombs. Yeah, and and this 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 is when this the, the CIA gives control of of Area Fifty One to the Air Force. It's nineteen seventy one. Got and, it. Okay. Yeah, and this is also this is also where uh, Area Fifty Two comes in because Area Fifty Two is it's 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 literally just a facility next to Area Fifty One, and so they, right. they Area Fifty One is like I sorry Area Fifty Two is is built up basically to like house the Nighthawks. Now, it, it is it is interesting that like the older Nighthawks look a lot more like UFOs than the newer Nighthawks. Like yeah. the newer Nighthawks look more like the stupid like Tumblr Batmobile, but in a plane. The older Nighthawks look a lot more sci-fi. 
Um, and it is interesting it's looking true. at they the are... difference. You'd be like, if I saw the older Nighthawk, I'd be like, oh, that's a UFO. If I saw the newer Nighthawk, I'm like, oh, that is like a military plane. Yeah, well, and, and I, will say, I will say this. So they, 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 they start doing a lot of things to like reduce the number of UFO sightings they, they produce. So like they, they start flying, <laughs> they start flying at night because it turns out it's actually really hard to see a black airplane at night. <laughs> Which, yeah, but, but, you know, the, the, the other thing that they're doing in Area 51, and they've been doing this really since the 60s, is Area 51 is where the U.S. basically develops its drones. Yeah, and, and that is that that is the modern thing that pilots see yeah, and then talk about on CBS yeah, or whatever. And and you know, and this interestingly, so so I I I I mean, I I've been sort of aware of this. I didn't fully understand it. The U.S. like had drones in the sixties. We've, it's we've, just we've had that, them like, for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Like they 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 like one of the things they do with the A twelve is they put like they had this like ramjet drone on top of it. Which is like pretty sick. Like a ramjet drone is sick. Like that's like that's just like a cool thing. I mean, yeah. But, if it wasn't used for killing people, then yeah, all these things yeah. are cool. But yeah, they're well, only the, designed the to kill part, people. Well, yeah. But the fun, fun part about the ramjet thing is they had, they had to stop using it because it kept it kept just like like cutting the airplane. Like kept cutting the A twelve in half. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, critical, yeah, cr- support, critical support. Critical support. Critical support to the ramjet drone. But yeah, and I think that the last thing we should talk about is that. Yeah, so Area 51's, the, the latest thing that we know that they did that is horrifying and awful is, so up up until 9-11, there had been a line in the U.S. military, and that line was, you do not put weapons on unarmed drones. <laughs> and after, yeah, yeah, so after, after, after 9-11. Oh, 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 what a time. Yeah, yeah, and after 9-11, uh, the Air Force and the CIA basically get together, and they're trying to draw up a plan to kill bin Laden. Uh-huh. And so their their plan to do this is to put Hellfire missiles on a drone, and this is this is this is the origin of the what a horrible drone series of events. Drone. Yeah, God. it's awful. They, these are like the few decisions that have impacted the course of humanity yeah. for the next century that are being responsible for so many so well, many bodies. And, and, and this thing, you you can you can see where this is going in the initial thing because so yeah. when 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 they're testing the missiles on this right uh, in Area Fifty One, they, they set up like a mock version of like Bin Laden's house. Yeah. And they're setting it up so that they can figure out how many children they're going to kill when they blow this thing up. Yeah. And yeah, that's 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 been that's yep. been Area Fifty One's modern. No, the the worst the is... worst thing to come from places like this is putting guns on robots and drones. This is yeah, like the I mean, worst thing yeah, that humanity almost, can almost, do. Almost 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 ending the world with nuclear weapons and then now drones. Now, deciding it's... to put deciding to put bombs and weapons on little tiny things that fly. And little and little robots that crawl around. This is the worst thing imaginable yeah. that we could have we could have just not done. Yeah, but we're like, nope, let's do it. And well, now and, it and, sucks. And the thing is, I heard about it is even even the like seventy CIA was like, this is a bad idea. I know. It's and then, one of one of the first laws of like it's one of the first laws of yeah, first law of robotics. Uh, the first law of robotics. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but and, we stopped talking about that years ago. Nope. Yeah. And now we Decades have those ago, now we have really. those fucking robot dogs with yep. the fucking like five five six yeah. rifles mounted on their no, no, little no. It's tiny a, that's heads. Six point five creed. Oh, it's six point five. Even worse. Oh, boy. Even yeah, worse. Baby. Yep. And yep. that's the episode. Well, and yeah, go we buy a six point five creed more rifle. It'll go right through a robot. Yeah. I'm real excited for the robot wars. Yep. And then you'll be I able to not. take the it's robots ammo. It's gonna suck so bad. We're well, already in the robot wars. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's well, it's happened. Well, but you know what'll never happen. It would have been so much. It would have been so much better if it was just aliens. God, what? 
No, huh. it's not. Yeah, you know, I, would, I will say so this though. Better. I will say this though. If if we ever do Storm Area Fifty One, we should just destroy it. Like yeah, that, no, that, just, that place. Just, that place should be raised to the ground and like left as a monument to the people it killed. Because yeah, yeah. they. I mean, that should be most of the states. Ah, uh, yes, I uh, yes. But specifically, yeah, Area Fifty One. We yeah. fill every inch of it with concrete and we top it with a statue of Fox Mulder. You know, you know what we do is we do the thing like for the uh, the theoretical. Uh, the theoretical nuclear waste disposal site. Oh yeah, that is well, what we do. It it, it 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 is also still sort of irradiated. It also yeah, so. it is still also irradiated. So yeah, nothing. <laughs> Plutonium bombs there. No, nothing. Nothing. Nothing of value is kept here. Turn. Turn away. Yep. Yeah. Well, I wish uh, it was aliens. Nope. We all wish it aliens. was aliens. It's, all right. It's well, the CIA. That's the episode. You can follow our CIA exploits at the Happen Here Pod on Twitter and Instagram. God, I hate social media. All right, yep. that's the episode. Here's to the great American settlers. The millions of you who settled for unsatisfying jobs because they pay the bills. And uh, you just kind of fell into it. And you know, it's like totally fine. Just another few decades or so and then you can enjoy yourself. Of course, there is something else you could do if you got something to say. You could, I don't know, start a podcast with Spreaker from iHeart and unleash your creative freedom and spend all day researching and talking about stuff you love. And maybe even earn enough money to one day tell your irritating boss as you quit and walk off into the sunset, hey, I'm no settler. I'm an explorer. Spreaker.com. That's a S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Hustle on over today. I'm Jake Halpern, host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago. We controlled the courts. We controlled absolutely everything. He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really after. From my perspective, Bob was too good to be true. There's got to be something wrong with this. I wouldn't trust that guy. He looks like a little scumbag liar, stool pigeon. He looked like what he was, a rat. I can say with all certainty, I think he's a hero because he didn't have to do what he did, and he did it anyway. The moment I put the wire on the first time, my life was over. If it ever got out, they would kill me in a heartbeat. Listen to Deep Cover on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When P.T. Barnum's Great American Museum burned to the ground in 1865, what rose from its ashes would change the world. Welcome to Grim and Mild Presents, an ongoing journey into the strange, the unusual, and the fascinating for our inaugural season, we'll be giving you a backstage tour of the always complex and often misunderstood cultural artifact that is the American Sideshow. So come along as we visit the shadowy corners of the stage and learn about the people who were at the center of it all. In a place where spectacle was king, we will soon discover there's always more to the story than meets the eye. So step right up and get in line. Listen to Grim and Mile Presents now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more over at grimandmild.com slash presents. 
Spooky. All right, we're done. Um, he- hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show that this is on the week that this is, which is the spooky week of the year where things are spooky. Today, my guest, Katie Golden. Katie, say, say hello to the audience. Hello, audience. Now say goodbye. Uh, okay, bye, audience. Now, now tell the audience that acts of industrial sabotage are always morally justified in defense of the climate. Uh, acts of... Wait, okay, so... <laughs> are you... <laughs> Do you guys have a team of lawyers that I can access, or... Absolutely, they say it's fine. They say it's oh, fine okay. if you tell people that. Then, you know, industrial sabatui or whatever he said is cool. I love it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, I wouldn't have made that kind of claim, but but you heard Katie, so you know there you go. Full, this, we, right? we, we've now made a full throated defense of the Niger Delta Avengers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that but... is true. That is an upcoming episode, Chris. <laughs> um, Katie, what are you? What do? You, what, are, what are we? What are we? What are we? What? What are we? What are we? What are uh, we? We're all stardust, Robert. Oh, Aww. okay. Well, that sounds soothing, actually. Well, it's disgusting, well, well but okay. first, K- Katie of 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 the Goldens is the host of Creature Feature oh, yeah. and writer for you, some you, more you news. You write for some more news. You're the host of Creature right. Feature. Jesus, Sophie, you got to remember these things. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything's always we, my fault. What are we What are we doing today? What do, What do you got? What 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 are What's happening? I mean. This is your podcast, but uh, Barely. You know, I, I, I thought, uh, all right, fine. It's my podcast now. Welcome to uh, It Could Happen there Here, hosted by Excellent. Katie Golden. I Beautiful. thought we could talk. A, I, I thought we could talk about animals because I like animals. All um, right, you got a yeah. spooky thing about an animal for us? Yeah, I, I thought because uh, the theme of your podcast seems to be, you know, sort of the future and how things could get pretty fucky. In yeah. the future. <laughs> and I thought there are some examples of things getting fucky with uh, animals in the current oh, present. Hell yeah. That right. seems to, it could maybe be a bit of a crystal ball for things that could happen in the future with climate change that is kind of spooky. All right. Let's do it. Have you guys heard of the Saiga antelope? Uh, no. I mean, I I've heard of antelopes and I've heard of the saiga, and I guess I'm not surprised that there's antelopes in 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 the saiga. Do me a quick favor and just Google saiga antelope and just take a gander, take them okay. on in. Okay. okay. As okay. I, I'll describe them to the audience oh. while you're. Oh, doing oh that wow! Here. Yeah. Oh. They are kind of some of the cutest, doofiest Aww. little ungulates in the world. Little, little they thing. have the best little face. I know. It's yes. weird. It looks it's like... like just too, it's just a big nose. Yeah, it's just a big, ridiculous nose. My God, it's that nose, nose looks silly. They it's must be nose. endangered because they look, they look like they're, they're terrible at staying alive. Their, their face <laughs> is all nose. It's like if, uh, someone's whole face was just a nose. It's like someone yes. strapped an anteater to like an animal. Yeah. They look delicious. I'm just gonna say it. I would hunt them <laughs> and eat them. They, they kind of have like what they did tasty. with Voldemort's nostrils in the Harry Potter movie, but like long. Yeah, they look like ridiculous. The, yes, they kind of look like a Star Wars animal. Yeah, some of yeah. them, the their patterning makes it look like they have teardrop tattoos under their eyes, which I think means they've all killed someone in prison. <laughs> That's if I'm hard. Remembering they go hard correctly. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah. I want no, they... one. 
Are you going to tell us something they... horrible is happening to them, Katie? Yes. Are they oh, yes. racist? Oh, good. Are these racist antelope, Katie? We're going to milkshake duck these antelopes. Yeah, they're yeah. all, they're all um, as far as I know, they're not too racist. They have some problematic views on, like, you know, gender. Abortion. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's. I mean, all antelope have really regressive attitudes towards women's reproductive yeah. health. It I is mean, frustrating. Yeah. 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 It's uh, But these guys look like Star Wars animals to me. They kind of look like they, a Star Wars look... animal named like a grass honker or something. Yeah. They look extremely fake. It's amazing. They look like yeah. a guy you'd meet at the bar where the aliens <laughs> play jizz. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that type of music that Katie's doing yeah. is canonically is, is called jizz. And if you are a musician who plays jizz, you are a jizz whaler. And oh, the, best, right. the best thing yeah. about that is that I know... All of the thought that George Lucas put to that was, oh, someone asked what the type of music they play it's, in the cantina jazz, is. But, jazz but, is but, a real kind of music. Let me just put an I in let there. Me, let it's me, let's jizz. change the vowel. It's jizz now. <laughs> well, that's going to be the day for me. <laughs> he didn't even Hard. put an apostrophe in it, which I feel I know. like is really lazy. <laughs> yeah, it could have it it been jizz. Right. Exactly. The effort wasn't there. Because but both- yeah, these are... Okay. Sorry. Sorry. No, I I could talk about this for hours. I just the, the differences between J.K. Rowling and and George Lucas as creators who who both made very popular fiction franchises and want people to think they thought about them more than they did is absolutely right. hysterical. Because J.K. Rowling yeah. does that by creating all these convoluted backstories, and George Lucas replaced the A in jazz with an I and didn't realize jizz. that jizz was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> What an incredible person. <laughs> it is pretty good. <laughs> Sorry, Katie. So, no, it's fine. It's fine. So these saga antelope, a.k.a. jizz whalers, uh, are found yeah, in the grasslands yeah. and semi-deserts in Central Asia, Russia, Kazakhstan, Mongolia, Uzbekistan, and Turkmenistan. Uh, they actually used to have a much wider range, but because of all the Roberts out there wanting to taste their delicious, they look delicious. meat. They look delicious. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Just that nose on a plate. Their population oh, declined, and it's you. now limited to a small territory. So yeah, That's horrible. Th- so there's still enough for me to, to eat a couple. Is what you're no, saying? No, Robert, Robert. If you try to kill one, I'll kill you first. No, I'm, yeah. I'm, Thank you, I'm, Gare. I'm going. I'm we going, to, I'm going have to saiga pre- antelope hunting. We have to. Pr- we have no. to protect the jizz whalers. They look. There's they no. look stupid as shit. <laughs> they can't possibly be good at stuff. Actually, so, with that nose, I bet their senses are incredible. They could do a lot of interesting things. Yeah. yeah. Can we let do. Katie tell the story, you interrupting I, I, fox? Go. Sorry, we all got jizz pilled, <laughs> and now. Not so cool. It's okay. It's I understand the excitement about these guys. Um, I do want to mm-hmm. paint a mental picture for the audience, just so they get like why people are freaking out. So they have this elephant. Like imagine a little antelope, and they're they're small. They're about two to f- three feet tall, about sixty oh, to one hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah, they're little babies. And it looks like you took like a cute little deer and just glued like a big elephant nose to it. It's yeah, not s- as long as an elephant trunk, but it's sort of a curta- like a it curls under like an elephant seal nose stuck to a little deer, and that snout is called a proboscis. And I yeah, love it's them. a they're kind of a they have sort of a t- light tan white coat. Uh, they can get really fluffy in the winter. Uh, they have these really huge tubular nostrils on that nose, and that gigantic honker uh, helps them filter dirt 
as the huge herds sort of trample on the ground and kick up dirt clouds. Um, and it can also act as an AC unit that cools the saiga antelope's blood. So as blood flows through it, you have this spacious chamber and it cools the blood and it recirculates. And, and then in the winter, it can act as a space heater that warms the air before they breathe it in. So it's Amazing. an AC heater, yeah, filter system. It's really a cool nose, which is why it was absolutely horrifying when entire herds of the saiga antelope started dropping dead en masse within like days of each other, just like a biblical plague. So there mm, are photos... Meat. What's sorry, Robert? Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Wow, You're so embarrassing sometimes, Katie. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So, no, it's 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 fine. Um, I'm. I mean, I don't know how else to sort of add levity to just the most adorable little antelope in the world, just all suddenly dying. Uh, there. So there are photos in Kazakhstan's of in Kazakhstan of these fields of just littered with these white lumps. And when you zoom in, you realize they're all saiga antelope corpses just covering the ground. It's pretty bone chilling. Uh, it kind of looks, okay, this is a little bit, uh, it kind of looks like a cult death, a mass cult death like Jonestown, yeah. but antelope. Oh boy. I was going to say when you go grenade fishing, but yeah, same kind of mm. idea. <laughs> grenade fishing? Yeah. Is that, it's what when is you that? drop a grenade in a lake and then it kills all the fish and they float to the top so you can scoop oh, them up. Oh, okay. I thought it was like you were fishing for fishing grenades. Fishing for like, grenades, yeah. Like no, running no. around a field going like, is that now, a grenade? Is this a grenade? If you go fishing in a lake where people go grenade fishing, you may in fact okay. catch a grenade, but, but no. Right. Two grenades with one stone. Well, kind of. I'm having this image of like bobbing with... for apples. But like you bump for the <laughs> abolished grenade, yeah. That's that extra points. Pull the pin. Yeah. yeah, careful with the lakes in Iraq. Is it because they've got grenades in them? Yeah. That's wow, really? With, that's how you fish. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. If you're lazy. Well, I'm, I'm still obsessed <laughs> looking at these pictures. Okay, They're so what, adorable, what, uh, right? what 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 caused all this uh, this this nightmare plague that killed all of the all of the weird nose the gonzo antelope? Right, the gonzo antelope. It was kind of a mystery. So in 2015, 200,000 saiga died off in that year alone. And like, how literally many of them just, were there? Not that many. So I hate that, was that the, Yeah, it was like the it wiped out the majority of the global population cuz they were already endangered. Um, yeah, they just like keeled over, died without explanation. And so researchers were obviously horrified and confused and slightly curious. Ooh, and yeah. start <laughs> That's more than there and... are left. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, so boys. there are like 100,000 left. Um, and so they started investigating the mass deaths and they found that the cause was a bacterial infection of Pasteurella multocida type B bacteria is a really catchy name um and it caused hemorrhagic septicemia um which is a horrible i looked up the symptoms it's like internal bleeding and just it's like the worst cold Ooh. ever but also with your organs bleeding inside which it, doesn't it, sound great it, it sounds and honestly looks like captain trips 
like the 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 plague from Stephen King's The Stand that killed all of the people. Like just this that, horrible huh. plague that makes everybody bleed out and drop where they're standing. Yeah, that's essentially what it hap- what happens also with a lot of snot, like a lot of Yeah, uh, that's mucus. also very Captain Trips. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, I cool. mean maybe that yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <Great>. so <laughs> neat fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what is thought to have happened uh, is that basically this uh, bacteria, Pastorella, has often been found in Saiga antelope large noses. They're also found in other like ungulate noses that have big these big sort of proboscis noses. And it lives in there, but it's normally not a problem because the immune system is able to fight it off fine and it maintains this balance. But the climate, I don't know if you guys have heard, but climate's kind of getting weird. It's like that is something I've I've heard of. Yeah, oh, this is yeah. The first time um, learning about it. It it, it, it may so, be yeah. it may be changing from what it used to be a little bit. Yeah, you know? it's called change of climate. Change um, of climate, kind of on a global scale, with everything getting slightly warmer. Yeah, yeah. Usually, it's climate hottening. Um, climate hottening. Yeah, that's what and they call it. Because of climate hottening, this bacteria it had much oh, more no. ideal uh, kind of of an environment to grow. So inside this yeah. beautiful proboscis of the antelope, you can imagine it's moist, it's warm, it's great it for bacteria. It's moist and warm and fester. Yeah, it would fester inside the nose. Right, exactly. And so when it gets more humid on the outside, more hot and humid, that nose increases in temperature as well. And it became the perfect incubator for hosting this bacteria such that it overwhelmed the antelope's immune system and literally, they just started dropping like flies from this infection, like an entire yeah. herd dying within a couple of days. When when Great. you first mentioned this, you're talking about how like they can use their nose as like an air conditioner. I was thinking like, oh, well, maybe maybe these animals will be like well adapted to climate change since they can like self regulate. But no, of course not. Of course, it's not a good story. Um, yeah. No. Sad. I think that's what's so creepy about climate change to me is there's like the obvious effects are things like more fire. We get real hot and we die because it's too hot. But things like, oh, this means bacteria loves loves living life and like starts eating us from the inside out. Like that's not a really, I guess, intuitive consequence of global warming, but it is one of the things that seems to be likely to happen. So it's really creepy. What's yeah. fun is when you started this and talked about like a whole herd of 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 these antelopes dropping at once. I thought it was going to be like, oh, another one of those like horrible sulfur bubbles that killed like a oh, city's yeah. worth of animals uh, in a, a matter of seconds because a bunch of ice melted. Um, and I'm not sure which is creepier, actually. Well, this is worse because the like they died in like horrible pain. Yeah, I don't this, think the sulfur yeah. wasn't painful, but yes, well, yeah, but I mean, they're both seconds. horrifying. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> The sulfur's at least faster. Yeah. They're both very frightening and it's also both things that like, oh yeah, that could that could they, they that could drop some people. That could, yeah, they could this just is, jump this right is, across. Th- there's there's the a couple thing, of ways this could go bad for us. This is the thing me and Robert was looking a little bit into to put together the first five scripted episodes mm-hmm. of the daily is we I, in, in the few books we read there were there were there were section like large sections about how this is gonna mm-hmm. basically just make plagues be a thing forever now. Yeah, this is going to be hard for people to really get their heads around, but imagine a plague hit in in the 21st century. How scary Uh that would be. Just really try to get your head around that. Global Global plague, plague. yeah. People dropping... It's frightening, you know? So this is is just the world now. Coronavirus 
coronavirus is technically it's not a plague, right? Because it's not a bacteria. It's not bacteria. It's, not it's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I think it's you viral, call but any disease that kills gonna... a lot of people a plague. Yeah, but, but like that, it, it, yeah. it's 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 both 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 like viral pathogens, bacterial pathogens are, are with with globalization can spread at a much faster rate. And now with global warming, there's going to be more breeding ground for literally new bacteria. And this is and with with stuff melting in the ice caps and all the kind of stuff. There's just, just a lot of reasons to just assume that yeah, we're just going to kind of live with plagues constantly being a problem now. Like it's that's yeah. just oh like we're we're there there never is going to be a post COVID nineteen world. It's just this forever covid was just the first plague that really got through the defenses that were never going to hold up to the damage we're doing to the climate like there were a couple of plagues beforehand that like we we were able to kind of tamp down on get a lid on and covid was just the system actually finally shattering and it's never going to get fixed and the plagues are just going to get plague gear and uh it'll be fun but on the upside on the upside here's some ads (laughs) oh okay yeah (laughs) On the upside, capitalism. We are back. I've I've unfortunately I've I've got to the point where I'm scrolling through these pictures where I've now found the mountain of dead animals. Yeah, that are it's just horrible. Yeah. yeah, it's real yeah. fucking the stand shit. Yeah, it's a lot of them. A lot of them dead, just in a giant pile. Yeah, like imagine the cutest Sesame Street character, cuter than Snuffleupagus, uh, just. <sighs> Lying in heaps. Oh, and that um, big nose has to make him extra vulnerable to fucking horrible nose bacteria. That's what we yeah. were just talking about. Yeah. <laughs> we were I know, but it's sad. Was, it's just literally so sad as big nose. That's just what we said. I know. Katie just explained that. I know, but it's so sad. It is very it sad. It is sad. Yeah. It's very sad. And there, there's this is not an mm. isolated case that'll never happen again. Researchers warn that it's very likely stuff like this will keep happening with climate change. And they're warning that reindeer populations are at risk because reindeer actually also have a really, even though it doesn't seem like they have a huge proboscis, they have a very impressive nose. It's very spacious. It also actually works like a little space heater and warms up the air as they breathe it in. Uh, It's pretty amazing. But those same characteristics that are so beneficial to the reindeer now could actually become very dangerous for them with climate change if this bacterial growth happens. So we're looking at potential, um, you know, risk to reindeer population. And there's also a lot of risk to farm animals as well, like for something similar to happen where this bacteria can uh, infect farm animals like cows and other types of ungulate farm animals. Uh, And so, you know, even if people don't care about the adorable psycho antelope, which I guess would be just psychopaths, murderers, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, but like, you know, we also have very important species like, you know, reindeer that are keystone species and uh, also, you know, our farm animals that you know, we yeah, they're very eat. important for a lot of people to basically how they live their lives are based around cultivating these animals and hunting and raising mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in my opinion, every species, even if no matter how obscure it is, it is typically something very important for humans. It just it's sort of the like seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's like you don't have yeah. to get too far away to realize that Kevin Bacon, like his survival is really important to the planet. 
Um, except instead of Kevin Bacon, it's like any animal in the that world. That is basically all, yeah, all animals and all ecosystems, no matter, even mm-hmm. if you feel like they're not super important, the way our world works and how ecosystems work, they're all incredibly intrinsic and reliant on each other. So even, you know, that's, we're seeing stuff about like, why don't we just like, turn entire deserts into solar fields and be like well no because the desert ecosystem actually serves a very like it (laughs) serves a very important purpose like you can't just be like oh deserts aren't important like no like they have an actual ecosystem that's actually very important to the surrounding area so we can't just bulldoze it and turn into a solar field it's just sand garrison which is coarse and irritating and it gets everywhere it gets everywhere Is that an actual quote from uh from Star yes, Wars? Yes, episode yeah, episode it, it two, sure Attack is. of the Clones, it, it by sure Hayden is. Christensen playing mm-hmm. Anakin Skywalker, <laughs> yeah. the Padawan with with the rat tail. Yeah, yeah, classy. Anyway, I love that. Yeah, his rat tail, amazing. The courage <laughs> they used to have in Hollywood. The, the courage of two thousand three, yeah. really stunning. Yeah. How could anyway, Padme not? How could she not want could, that? How could you resist? Mm-hmm. It's like that Ween song. Every girl wants a guy with a rat tail. Yeah. I'm just assuming if that were a song, it would be by Ween. It's, you know, what it's I'm called right. a, it's called a like a love lover, I think. Rat yeah, tail. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, what's up with these animals? Yeah. You want some more animals? Because I talked about how those animals mostly all died. Um, oh, I'm, I'm just we... thinking like, what's like, what's what like? Do you know like what's happened with them since they all dropped? There's like, a whole the... 124,000 of them left alive. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Who that are is, not that is bleak. Cur- yeah. yeah, they're not yeah. currently all dying of this bacterial infection. Uh, I think like some of them are they apparently outside of the danger zone i guess outside of the area where they're more north i guess yeah, that's about the best you can say for any species in 2021 some of them aren't in the danger area currently <laughs> yeah but obviously yeah. that's going to change as global warming progresses so yeah uh-huh. it's uh it's pretty grim uh it's also i think yeah. you know obviously when you think about these things Humans obviously don't have like these big snuffleupagus noses, which is really sad because I'm imagining us with it and we're mm-hmm. way but we'd all cuter. be dead. We are we'd much all cooler. be dead, but really adorable. Which would be better for the planet. So I but we but would. we'd also be way we would we would be way better at whaling jizz. And honestly, I feel like that's yeah. a fair trade. We would be whaling the hell out of some jizz. Ah, <laughs> uh, one man, one can dream. We would be nose deep in a big old pile of jizz. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> How would you? Qu- how does the Bible quantify jizz? Um, cubits. Okay. A, cu- a cubit of jizz. <laughs> That's what Noah said when he wanted to get yeah. the jizz on the ark. Yeah. God's like Noah, you must Back bring that one shit cubit in the cubits. <laughs> Two jizz of every kind. Well, Noah was big into. Now we're we're just like dropping Animal the pretense that it was ever about music. All right, sorry, Katie. No, it's all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I asked. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought another thing we could talk about is how animal folklore is really important to pay attention to and to kind of listen to as both information and warnings uh, for the future. Um, because we often dismiss folklore as like, oh, you know, these are just spooky stories that we tell around the campfire. They're just legends. They don't yeah. mean anything. We're especially dismissive, I think, when it comes to indigenous peoples. It's like, oh, your folklore. Oh, that's so cute and quaint, but we're yeah, not we, listen we, to we, it. We, we look at it as we, we like really like 
infantilize it as like, oh, look at you primitive people still doing folklore, which is yeah. extremely, extremely disrespectful and also like very naive about how yeah. things you, work. When you look at how heavily engineered all of like the forests were in the entirety of, of the Americas, like from the Amazon up, the, up to the Pacific Northwest, it's a little like like the architect of a building comes in and says, hey, you can't knock out that retaining wall. The building's going to collapse. And we're going to be like, ooh, Mr. Architect with his magic walls. <laughs> and then the building collapses on us. You know, th there's there's a bunch of uh, of paintings. You're like, there's like these drawings from like, th this is like, like the early 1600s of, of people like in North America. And, and it'll be these drawings. It's all these European guys standing on a tree. Mm -hmm. And... What they're watching is like it's it's one one of the oh, I forget exactly what tribe this is, but it's, like, it's one one of the people like they they figured out how to have like a fire that's like it burns it like exactly like like perfectly in this ring around the tree does not catch anything else inside of it. It's like anything other, and and it's funny because it's like you you look at this and it's like okay like the people like the the people who are drawing this painting cannot do this, and it's like it's very clear that they're just like incredibly befuddled by this but it's like you know and it's, it's, it's just sitting there and then all the people who paint who paint the like all, all the european artists who like do this and they're like no 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 it's fine we don't know how they're doing this fire control stuff <laughs> right. but <laughs> we're europeans everything we every uh, ignoring everything other people say is gonna go fine and great and we're not gonna like yeah turn half the country into a dust bowl what like, are, what do they got to teach us we figured out how to make boats that only kill half the people on them <laughs> only half yeah. barely i mean that i mean that is a really good point uh controlled burns have been practiced by a number of civilizations for millennia uh, but when european settlers came and colonized north america we we're like control happy pride from tomboy x celebrating pride and the queer community all year Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. L-A-S-I-K LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time, and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. 
Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Burns, but we want to sell the timber, and that sounds dangerous, so let us handle it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this is I mean, all immortalized in the biographical song Timber, uh, by, by Pitbull, which 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 tells this story in, in lyrical version. Please continue, and Katie. in uh, and in uh, Timberland Boots, mm-hmm. and in you Timberland know? Boots, that's right. Yeah. Every Timberland boot just, has a piece of the story, yeah, yeah, and Timberwolves, the I'm going to say hockey team. Yes. The hockey team is. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sophie's shaking her head. I'm sorry, Sophie. Minnesota Uh, Wolves are an NBA team. I'm sorry. I apologize to everyone. (laughs) You should be. Uh, But yeah, I mean, so uh, in North America, especially in California, uh, indigenous American tribes practice controlled burns for thousands and thousands of years. Uh, the Yurok, Karak, and Hoopa tribes of California did controlled burns, which, uh, in addition to preventing larger, more dangerous wildfires by getting rid of dead brush, it also promoted new growth of vegetation, like really important plant species like oak and hazel. It even had unexpected effects like supporting the salmon population because as you did these controlled burns, created a block from the sun so that the ash clouds and then that would cool down the temperatures of the streams. And I know what you're thinking that, hey, to counter global warming, we should burn everything so that I agree. Gets cooled down. Um, the problem with burning everything like these uncontrolled burns is they also kill living vegetation and it's just like it burns everything in sight and leaves basically nothing and it burns off a huge amount of carbon stores. So the great thing about controlled burns is it very slowly burns off these carbon stores in this dead wood and then Mm -hmm. it gives it time to regrow so that you recapture the carbon Rather than just like burning all this carbon at once, releasing it all at once, and then it's like trying to play catch up. It's like if you spill yeah. like a little bit of milk on the table and you use a paper towel and wipe it up, it it works. But if you just like pour out the entire milk jug on the table, uh, you know, just on like a sloppy Saturday, just pouring out that milk, it's like a paper towel is not going to do anything. That's like trees and carbon. You know what I'm saying? 
Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. I do pick yeah. up what you are putting down. Yeah. As they say. Although it's the I still think milk analogy. We should try a controlled burn on, let's say, Boston. See how mm. it goes. Right. Just to Why give Boston? it a shot. Very um, anti. I've been there. Pilled. Didn't care for it. Didn't care mm. for Boston. Don't see how we need it. Even North End. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't care for it. Mm. Mm-hmm. They've got good cannolis there, though. I'm sure they do. You know where else has good cannolis? I don't, because I don't care for cannolis either. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Well. All right. That's. Uh... <laughs> I'm actually living in Italy, and so if they find out I've been on this podcast, I'm going to get kicked out of the country. Oh, you need so. to be, yeah, very careful. It's filled yeah. with Italians. They're everywhere. <laughs> if you can get up to the Alps, there might be some Swiss nearby who can protect yeah. you, but. Oh. It's, you're in dangerous territory. I didn't realize there are Italians here. That's scary. Yeah, um, it's one of the main problems that Italy has. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, but when basically um, indigenous tribes uh, had a pretty good system of controlled burns in California. And then when, you know, colonizers came to North America, we were like, hey, stop that. In fact, we're going to make it illegal to do controlled burns because that seems dangerous. And they focused on fire suppression and protection of timber stores rather than, you know, paying attention to the way people had been doing this for thousands and thousands of years and how it kind of worked. And so they just thought like, hey, if we just stop fires from ever happening, they'll never happen. But spoilers, they just started happening. They they, they still happen and it's worse and they're out of control and they're big problems every year and learned nothing. Yep. Um, But another thing is that we could have learned about controlled burns much, much earlier if we had decided to listen to the Aboriginal peoples in northern Australia um, about firehawks. So firehawks are uh, raptors, that is like birds of prey, who seem to either accidentally or intentionally spread wildfire by picking up smoldering twigs and sticks from a burning area and dropping them elsewhere. And then once they start that fire, they watch for all the little scared mice and rodents and lizards and just feast upon the fleeing animals. It's extremely metal. That does sound that does sound very mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Uh and so Research published in 2018 uh, detailed about how three species of birds of prey in Australia uh, seem to do this. But, of course, this is not news because uh, Aboriginal uh, peoples have known about this for thousands and thousands of years and have uh, documented this in their own folklore. There's uh, even a ceremony called Yabadurwa in which people act out birds carrying smoldering branches, which sounds amazing. But essentially, they are teaching this uh, sort of naturalist history of, sorry, of how they have seen these, uh, these hawks, these fire hawks, carrying these burning sticks and distributing it. And if this, if we had listened to this, you know, earlier, we may have had more research on how, uh, you know, Maybe these birds of prey have been terraforming the Australian outback for thousands and thousands of years. And that's really cool. And it may be really informative. But unfortunately, we kind of really only decided to start researching it in 2018. And those researchers started doing it because they listened to 
uh, these stories from the Aboriginal uh, people. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like everyone should, I feel like everyone should be more okay with understanding why folklore exists and what purpose yep. it serves. This is this is, this is something I, I I got into years ago because of the uh because of the lore podcast and learning about just how folklore in, influences culture and politics in a whole bunch of really interesting and weird ways and that is something I've wanted to talk about more because it's it's a thing and folklore is different for us now in terms of how we have like cultural stories but it, it's 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 still the same it's still the same purpose and we just kind of deny it in a way that is kind of silly Yep. Yeah, I think there's often this idea of there is a clear distinction between fact and folklore. And while it's true, like we can't necessarily just take folklore for at its exact word, because like it's sort of like a telephone game throughout years and years. Folklore is going to take on new shapes every generation. But we really should take it seriously as a part of very important data set of like this is human observational history. Maybe some of it has been sort of uh, uh, turned into myth, but a lot of it could be genuine observation that people are relaying over many, many generations, which I think is really important. Well, thank you, uh, Katie Golden, for talking Katie. about those those very silly Gonzo things that are unfortunately oh, dropping yeah, dead. Yeah, the little Gonzo you know? climate change genocide. And then, and then the other climate change issues around folklore. Um, where where can people find you on the old internet in, 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 interwebs? Wermst. Can people? Yeah, uh, I got a podcast. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about those. Uh, it's called Creature Feature, and I talk about stuff like this all the time about animals. It's not always about animals dying in horrible ways, but sometimes <laughs> it is. It's a good mix, you know. It's like good sometimes mix. animals. Being alive, sometimes animals being dead, sometimes some animals making other animals dead in interesting Those ways. Those wacky animals. Yeah, you can never predict. Never predict them. Uh, and, you know, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Katie Golden. That's K-A-T-I-E-G-O-L-D-I-N. Uh, yeah, where I just, you know, just post it on the Twitter. Doing so that listen whole thing. to Creature Feature. Find Katie on Twitter. And uh, shoplift. Sure. What's up, guys? I'm Rashad Bilal. And I am Troy Millings, and we are the hosts of the Earn Your Leisure podcast, where we break down business models and examine the latest trends in finance. We hold court and have exclusive interviews with some of the biggest names in business, sport, and entertainment, from DJ Khaled to Mark Cuban, Rick Ross, and Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, our alumni list is expansive. Listen in as our guests reveal their business models, hardships, and triumphs in their respective fields. The knowledge is in-depth, and the questions are always delivered from your standpoint. We want to know what you want to know. We talk to the legends of business, sports, and entertainment about how they got their start, and most importantly, how they make their money. Earn Your Leisure is a college business class mixed with pop culture. Want to learn about the real estate game? Unclear as how the stock market works? We got you. Interested in starting a trucking company or a vending machine business? Not really sure about how taxes or credit work? We got it all covered. The Earn Your Leisure podcast is available now. Listen to Earn Your Leisure on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. It's Spooky Week. All right, I did it. Sophie, I'm done for the day. Okay. Taking, taking the rest off. Bye. We sure do. Uh, so, you know, normally this is a show about collapse, all that good stuff, yada, yada, yada. But fuck it. It's Halloween week. So we're, 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 we're making sure all of our stuff has a little bit of an extra spooky twist. It's like when you, you make a martini and you decide to actually put vermouth inside it as opposed to just kind of waving it nearby. That's what we're doing this week with spookiness being the vermouth. And mixing up our martini today is Margaret Kiljoy. Margaret, hello. Hello. I'm a famous mixologist, so Mm -hmm. clearly Mm -hmm. this will be very good. Now, Margaret, today, for this very special episode of It Could Happen Here, on Spooky Week, you have written us, well, you've written a short story, and you're going to read it, and and, and we're all going to enjoy it. Is that that accurate? Um, I hope at least... I can I can testify to the first parts and I hope for the last part. Excellent. All right. Well, with without further ado or with minimal further ado, let's uh let's 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 you know with the with the stuff, with okay. the stuff, Margaret, with the stuff. Well, well, and this is great because this is actually a short story that you start reading of. Oh shit! Yeah, um, where's that link? <laughs> you, you texted it to me, but I don't have my phone on me. Okay, let me uh, put it in the chat here. Um, Based. Impressive, to say the least. <laughs> Based in fiction, pilled. Okay, I start reading the italics. Yeah, it's the first couple paragraphs of introduction, and then right. you're you're interviewing me. All right, motherfuckers, let's get it started. The Northern Host. For all its lingering horror and misery, the wake of a war is rich terrain for a folklorist like myself. More people report more supernatural experiences during times of war than times of peace. Some of my peers have argued the stress and shock of battle leaves our brains more susceptible to mass delusion. Others claim that the veil between worlds remains thin when so many are passing from life to death. The Second American Civil War has been no exception. Most famously, of course, soldiers from each of the three armies present at the 15-day siege of St. Louis reported a wailing man who walked among the wounded, healing some and ending the lives of others. On the Cascadian front, Rebel forces spoke of black bears who, in effect, stood sentry for their guerrilla positions. During the white army's occupation of Washington, D.C., civilians and soldiers alike reported apparitions pouring out from the Pentagon crater every new moon. Of all the various myths and legends to spring up in the wake of the recent conflict, however, I find myself most strongly drawn to the stories of the northern host. Never have I heard a myth recounted in such detail by such a wide variety of people. My favorite telling comes from Private Sarah Dollar in the Battle of Asheville. This interview was recorded in the spring of 2035 and lightly edited for clarity with permission of the subject. Note that the subject refers to the White Army by pejoratives throughout. 
These have been left intact for the historical record. Could you introduce yourself and tell me what you saw? Yeah, my, my name is Sarah Deher. I'm 31 years old. I live in Asheville in the Appalachian region of the United States of America on stolen Cherokee land. My U.S. military rank was private. They made us all privates when they incorporated the irregulars into the Army. But I only served in the Union to fight the White Army. A year later, I'm one of those crazy radicals who doesn't think the reconfiguration goes far enough. I'd never fired a gun in my life before the Irregulars, and I hope I never fire another one again. By temperament, I'm neither a lover nor a fighter. I'm just your average trans girl who likes cats and hates Nazis. I fought in three engagements, in Weaverville, Leicester, and Asheville. I think I killed two people. One of them, I know I killed him. I, I saw him bleed out, and I saw him taken away in a black bag. The other person was a man I shot in the thigh during the Battle of Asheville. I didn't know you could die from a bullet in the thigh, but I've spent a lot of time looking at casualty records, and someone who fit that man's general description died in that battle from a bullet to the thigh. Does that bother you? Y yes, no, I, I don't know. I don't lose sleep over it, but I think about it a lot. I look at the docs on both of them. The first guy was a true believer, a real blood-and-soil type. It doesn't bother me that I mingled those two things for him. The second man, though, I'm not so sure. He signed up because his son signed up. I don't have any kids myself, but I could see myself doing that. His son survived the war. Have you been in contact with his son? No, fuck that guy. That kid's a fucking Nazi, and I don't know how he talked his way out of the tribunals. Can you tell me what you saw at the Battle of Asheville? This was during the fascist spring offensive last year. You know, Hitler's birthday, April 20th. By that point, the White Army was pretty much done, but they weren't about to go down without doing some major symbolic damage. So there were about 40 of us, all irregulars, with our own commanders, no army oversight. Morale was down, we felt pretty abandoned. Common sentiment in the South. I was on the street out in front of the library walking rounds. Downtown was half rubble at that point. Only the library was standing, because symbols matter and all that bullshit. So that's where we were making a stand. Neither side had artillery, really, by that point. The brass had just commandeered even our RPGs for the, quote, real fight. Air support wasn't coming, not for them and not for us. Really, the Battle of Asheville was, was like nothing to the rest of the world, and we knew it. So I was doing the rounds, thinking about my shit luck, thinking maybe I was going to die and how so many people had died, and what's another dead girl to add to the pile? I was thinking about how at least this dead girl is going to die surrounded by or in defense of books. And then I heard dogs from around the side of the building. One barked loud and near, the other sort of distant and echoey. I went to check it out, turned the corner, and there was this naked guy. He was pale as hell, tall, tattooed, and scarred, and like I said, he was naked as the sun. I stared at him. He stared at me. I got so distracted trying to figure him out that it took me a moment to realize there were nine others behind him. Or maybe they weren't there at first? I don't know. Most of them were men mostly of the tall Norse-looking variety, but there was a Middle Eastern man and three women, including one who by my read was Latinx. No dogs anywhere that I could see. The man closest to me, he asked me something in a language I didn't know. I just kind of stared. He asked me another question in another language. What? I asked. Who are you? Who are we fighting? He asked. His accent was thick and I couldn't place it for the life of me. I mean, I know now, but I sure as shit didn't know it then. We? I asked. What? I was due back out front because I was a sentry doing the rounds, and this sure needed reporting. But what the hell was I going to tell people? 
Who are we fighting? Where are we? You're in Asheville. Who are you? Ah, the American conflict, the man said. Behind him, others nodded. Their movements were sloppy, dreamlike. They were drunk, I later realized. One of them had dried blood running down from her lip onto her not insubstantial belly. You're fighting the nationalists, the first one said. We're here to help you. Who are you? I asked. This third time, he actually answered. My name is Belgir. We are the dead. We are the Einhayar from Valhalla. Every day, we are sent to a battle to fight, and we die. The others behind him nodded, definitely drunk. Now, I know there were good folks on our side who were into European paganism, but you have to understand that a lot more of the fash were into that shit than anybody else. If they hadn't been naked and drunk, I might have mistaken them for the enemy and shot them. Valhalla, I said, reciting the tiny bit I knew. That's where Vikings go if they die in battle, feast every day and fight every night in Odin's Hall until the end of the world where you like also fight and die, but a wolf eats the sun or something. Close enough, Belger said. I mean, Odin only gets half the battle dead, and Viking isn't a good name for us. But sure. And you're here because we are to take arms alongside you, fight your enemies, and die today. Am I going to die today? Only the seers and the gods know that. I'd been calling myself a witch half my life, but honestly that was mostly because I like tarot and astrology and pentagrams and shit. I've never been someone who took the supernatural all that seriously. But nothing in the world made sense like it used to. Fascists had just been driven out of D.C. Cascadia had not only seceded, but was in a civil war of its own now. Mexico was gone and replaced by self-governing states of almost every stripe in the political rainbow. China had backed white supremacists and other nationalist types in an American civil war. And anti-government leftists were fighting alongside weirdos like me in the damn U.S. Army. I can't say those things were as weird as naked dead don't call us Vikings talking to me in the street. But somehow all of that was just comparably bizarre. Come, let us arm ourselves and fight together, you and I, Belger said. So that's how I met the Northern Host. Most people don't believe me, assume it was just some kind of drunk wingnuts, maybe some irregulars I'd never met before. But I saw what I saw, and I believe it. The rest of us who survived, they saw it too. And how did it go? Yeah, pardon? The battle. How did it go? We got the Einherjar into Irregulars' garb and armed them. There were plenty of guns at that point in the forgotten hellhole of front. Bullets, not so much, but plenty of guns. They were all comfortable with firearms, though one fellow groused about what he wouldn't do for an axe and shield, and another said what we had was fine, but monofilament web guns were better than any combat shotgun. To hear them tell it, oh, fuck it, why am I pretending like I don't believe them? I believe them with every bit of my soul and damn what people think of me for it. The Northern Hosts fight every night, and every night they are in a different time and place. Most battles in human history were in the past, they said, which sounds optimistic, doesn't it? But they said they fought in every century up to the 24th. Nothing happens after the 24th century. Ragnarok, most likely. The end of the world, wolves eating the sun and the moon, all that. They stood guard out with me out front. Around midday, we got hit with an EMP. We knew that was coming. It didn't screw us up much. We had a hardened phone in the basement, and all our weapons operated just as well in dumb mode as smart mode, including our own EMPs. The White Army showed up, maybe a hundred men. All men. That's their whole shtick. They came in on motorcycles and ATVs and horses. More shtick. Look how fucking folksy they are. We hit them with the EMPs anyway, leveled the field, took out the ATVs. 
The bikes were retrofitted, no electric, and a, a horse, you, you can't EMP a horse. I don't know if there was a skirmish in that war that didn't start with both sides ritually knocking the other one back to basically the 20th century. I think the tactical EMP is the reason there's anything left of this country. We took a few pot shots while they were still at range, but we didn't have the ammo to waste on anything else. Don't think we did any damage. They took up position further up the hill in the ruins of the old basilica. Then we waited. We should have mined the church. That old thing was blown half to shit anyway. It wouldn't have made the world any worse if we'd either leveled it or hidden explosives throughout. But, you know, ethical war or whatever, don't mine churches. The other side leveled every mosque, synagogue, and, quote, heretic church they got their hands on, not to mention libraries and universities and even the goddamn Statue of Liberty because they hate immigrants. But we were supposed to be fighting a, quote, ethical war. Those two words don't got nothing to do with one another, and everyone knows it. So they holed up in the basilica, and we pulled back into the library, and we had one of those good old-fashioned standoffs where people die slowly from sniper fire and everything is awful. That's when Laura got shot, right in the head, because we missed a spot when we bulletproofed the facade. She's dead. She had natural red hair, but she always died at redder, and her favorite show was Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and she liked to drink water out of long stem glasses. She was, I think she was 37, way past drafting age. She volunteered. It was her first engagement. She was only there because she loved books. Had plenty of time to avoid looking at her corpse while she was in there with us dead. Dwight was another one of my friends in the unit, one of my favorite people, hands down. Total weirdo, and he was all obsessed with that Viking shit and Dark Ages in general. Both his parents had come over from Sweden, though his dad was originally from Nigeria. Dwight had one degree in medieval studies and another in African history, and I I can't tell you how many times during basic he'd run down the details of this or that ancient battle, whether in Europe or Africa. If there were guns involved, he didn't care about it, but if there were swords and armor or spears and shields, he was all in. He started talking to the Vikings first thing. He was the first person to believe them, to, to really believe them, and his faith was contagious. While we were pinned down, he asked them everything. Mostly, they were quiet, even taciturn. But there was one thing they were very insistent on, and that I overheard them talking about. Nazis don't go to Valhalla. But why not, Dwight asked. It takes two things to go to Valhalla, the spokesperson said. You have to die in battle, and you have to venerate Odin. A bunch of those fuckers are Odinists, he said. No, they aren't. They're nationalists, fascists, racial separatists, they're all kinds of things. But they don't venerate Odin, whatever they think. What do you mean? They only know one half of Odin. They know the masculine side, the heterosexual side, the the Christian side. They worship a bastardization of our God, a bastardization first created by a nationalist Christian 800 years ago that's only gotten further afield since. Our Odin practices women's magic, the magic of the sexually penetrated. We also worship female gods of war and male gods of the hearth and gods who change their gender when they're bored. Nazis don't understand that, any of it. In life, we raided sometimes, traded other times. We also did all sorts of things that won't fit your modern sensibilities. Things that, were I alive, you might kill me for. But we're not Nazis, and people who worship a Christian version of our God most certainly do not go to Valhalla. It was as if the man had used up every word allotted to him for the day, because I don't believe a one of them spoke again before the battle began in earnest. And how long was that? Uh... Another hour, maybe? The sun was still right overhead when the white army rushed us. It was a bullshit move, rushing us. 
one part overconfidence and one part desperation, if you can imagine that. They knew they were losing the war at that point, but they had us more than two to one, and we all know the KKK commanders don't give two shits about the lives of their men. That's when I put a bullet in a man's leg. While he was in the street, running. It was a good shot. He was running, and I led the target and everything. I'd been aiming for center body mass, but, but still. At least a hundred yards against a moving target. I was proud of that shot at the time, on a technical level, even if I'm not sure I'm proud of it anymore now that I know the man's name. We expected the charge. What we didn't expect was the ordinance that knocked the reinforced front off its hinges. But that happened, and almost all the fighting happened right there on the first floor, among the empty shelves. The whole thing felt like it lasted half an hour. I've looked it up since. From the time of the first blast to the time the last shot was fired, we're talking about three minutes and twelve seconds. We thought they were going to pour in through the door after they blew it the fuck off, so James got in there with our one functioning automatic, and he took at least ten of the fash down with him before someone got him in the neck. It was a feint, and they blew a hole in the side of the building while, while that was going on, and that's where they got in. Close quarters combat is a whole different beast. A worse one, maybe. Maybe a better one? I go back and forth on that sometimes instead of sleeping. I think about the pros and cons of various types of absolute horror. Is it better to see your death coming or to get picked off without knowing it? I would have thought the Vikings would expend themselves right off. I mean, Vi Vikings. They were starting to sober up by that point, but still, they'd been drinking. And they were already dead. And they were doomed to die. But they were smarter than that, never risked themselves unnecessarily. Your next assumption of a comrade you know is doomed is that they'll sacrifice themselves to save others. None of that either. They knew they were the best trained soldiers on the field, and that in order for us to win, they had to be in the fight as long as they could. They were smart like that. Assholes like that. I stationed myself in the back. I fancy myself more of a sniper than the assault sort, so I watched the whole thing go down. I also only hit three targets out of 117 bullets I fired, but that's another story. I watched us win. We took casualties of 50%, half of those were KIA. But we defeated a force twice our strength. I watched the Einheyar bayonet men and shoot them, and I saw one of the Viking women break a man's face apart with her fists. Soon after, a bullet found her heart and she collapsed with a smile on her lips. She disappeared, like literally she phased out of existence, beam me up Scotty. We pushed them back onto the pavement. When I say we, I'm honestly not being fair, because I didn't do much of it myself. We had them scattered and running, most of them. Dwight was out there, waving a pistol in one hand and swinging a wooden stock rifle like a club in the other. A Viking with a shotgun stood beside him. I think the same fashy little shit killed them both, maybe in the same three-round burst. I tagged the fashy in his belly, and his friends helped him get away, and the remaining Nazis ran. He survived his wound. Why do we have so much information about the war? Does it do me any good to know who I killed and who I didn't? And Dwight? Dwight lay alone in the concrete, face down. There wasn't much blood, but he was dead. Two ravens sat atop him, one on each shoulder. I've never seen a raven in Asheville in my life, not before, not since. There were two of them, as big as people say those things are. They barked and they sounded like dogs. One was loud, like it was right where I was. The other was distant, echoing. Then they flew away, directly up and toward the sun, and I tried to watch to see where they went, but you can't look directly at the sun like that. I looked back down, and Dwight was gone. Okay, so his body was still there, but there was, there was something about him that was gone, and I don't know how to tell you what it was. That, that was that. 
we won, sort of. They didn't storm the library, which I guess means we won. But sometimes I'd think I'd burn every single book in that place if it would bring back Laura or Dwight or any of the rest of my friends. The war was over at that point, even if we didn't know it yet. So what did they die for? I guess for symbols. Maybe symbols matter that much. I, I don't know. I deserted after that. Half the survivors of the Battle of Asheville died less than a week later up in Pittsburgh. And I suppose I'd be dead if I'd gone. And it probably makes me a coward that I didn't. It's not that I was afraid of dying. It's that I was afraid of dying in battle. Because I believe in Odin now. It's hard not to believe in a god without venerating him. I don't want to go to Valhalla. I don't want to fight ever again, let alone every night. I don't want to serve with Ainyar at the Twilight of the Gods sometime in the 25th century. If I don't want to do that, then I don't want to die in battle. Dwight, though, I expect he's happy. I expect he dies every day with a smile on his lips and meat in his belly. He won't have to fight alongside the monsters of the human race, either, because as I learned in Asheville, Nazis don't go to Valhalla. All right. That was awesome, Margaret. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Dan, I'll put a bunch of applause noise here because yeah. this is not yes. translating over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and 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 uh, an air horn. Definitely Stick an air horn, an air horn. motherfucker. <laughs> Stick a couple I, motherfucking I, air horns. I don't think the air horn is going to be that as good. Nope. Garrison. Okay. <sighs> air horn. Your show. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Garrison. Uh huh. Margaret, um, how long ago did you write that? I wrote that, I believe, in 2017, Jeez. maybe 2018. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, it's not gotten less relevant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, uh, I, 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 there's definitely some times where I've, I've wished for a platoon of Vikings um, yeah. <laughs> to deal with some shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's... this has been It Could Happen Here, and this has been Spooky Week. I hope you enjoyed this scary story that's also relevant to our theme of collapse. Margaret, uh, you want to tell the people where they can find you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Magpie Killjoy. I'm on Instagram at Margaret Killjoy. I'm on Patreon at patreon.com slash margaret killjoy where this story and many other stories are available um for anyone who sponsors me at a dollar a month and if you make less money than i do then just message me and i'll give you all my shit for free and i have an upcoming because you've asked me to plug things and i'm definitely just going to go ahead and plug things um hell yeah uh i have a book coming out from ak press it's a reissue of my anarchist utopian book a country of ghosts if you like my very i like writing war stories but i specifically like writing war stories that are actually sad and how about how war is horrible um and so a country of ghosts is such a book and this story will eventually i'm excited to say i just signed the contract for ak press is going to put out a short story anthology of mine which will include this story yeah that sounds Mm -hmm. incredibly rad yes great publisher yeah not biased at all in that no 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 nor towards stories of the second American Civil War with never heard super, of it. super strong new characters. <laughs> I've, I've been introduced to just today. Yes. Um, all right. We'll check out Margaret's book, parentheses S, uh, uh, and and um, check out this show when it comes back someday, one day. You'll never know when, but you'll hear a whisper on the wind, and there will be. Mm-hmm. Or it'll be the next weekday after this. <laughs> One of those two. 
Hey, we'll be back Monday with more episodes every week from now until the heat death of the universe. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. I'm John Gonzalez, the host of SI's new podcast, Sports Illustrated Weekly. Sports Illustrated has delivered some of the best storytelling in sports for 70 years. And now that continues on our show. Each week, we'll dive deep into the best stories from around the sports world. Sports Illustrated Weekly is available every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now. I'm Colleen Witt. Join me, the host of Eating While Broke podcast, while I eat a meal created by self-made entrepreneurs, influencers, and celebrities over a meal they once ate when they were broke. Today, I have the lovely AJ Crimson, the official princess of Compton, Asia. Kidding, and Asia. This is The Professor. We're here on Eating While Broke, and today I'm going to break down my meal that got me through a time when I was broke. Listen to Eating While Broke on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's to the great American settlers, the millions of you who settled for unsatisfying jobs because they pay the bills. Of course, there is something else you could do if you got something to say. Start a podcast with Spreaker from iHeart and unleash your creative freedom. Maybe even earn enough money to one day tell your old boss, hey, I'm no settler. I'm an explorer. Spreaker.com. S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Hustle on over today. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.